Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined by the rest of my holy trinity, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex, breaking the loss, and boys, how we living today? I'm cracking one for the working man. Yes, sir. I also have one for the working man. It's already cracked, but uh, wow. where, where you go? There you go. So we're, yeah, all, we're, about, we're all we're less than we're thirty seconds in here. Today, God damn it! Less than thirty seconds in, and I'm already gonna have to edit one of uh, Wex's screw ups here. So uh, we're right on to a good start. It seems seems fitting here. Uh, yeah, man. Look, I'm I'm happy. There's a, we're starting to get a little bit of traction on the Patreon. We got one poor soul that subscribed so far. We appreciate that for sure. Uh, but be sure to check it out. You can obviously watch this um, in color, in person, in in glorious HD. Um, on our on our Patreon, <laughs> live once again, live once again, yeah, man. But today we're gonna be covering Rebellion from 2021, arguably the most talked about Impact pay per view in the past five to ten years, I would say. Um, against Backlash 2006 with the McMahons versus HBK and God, um, yeah, this is uh. <laughs> This is uh these are two hell hell of crazy shows for completely different reasons. Jesse, you're the booker of this damn thing. How did we get here, man? What are you how you feeling about these? Dude, I mean, we like to keep up with the current stuff. Impact was making some waves with the AEW tie-in, the Forbidden Door, as it were. You're always wondering if there's gonna be some surprises and shit. But they had a lot of AEW talent on deck, a lot of people waiting in the wings, a lot of Tony Khan making weird promos in the back a little bit and yeah. referencing shit that's fucking 24 years old that always pisses me off like the Montreal Screwjob. And then with Backlash, I mean, you got to give him the creativity for the angle and then Vince, his ego sold the whole fucking thing, bro. I mean, that's just one of those situations that you it's irrefutable. He really wanted to get home. I'm going over on God with the help of, well, we'll get into it later. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. All right. Wex, what do you think about Rebellion and Backlash? How are you feeling about comparing these two? Yeah. Like you said, two vastly different pay-per-views. I mean, Rebellion, They, I mean, like you said, Impact, they probably put one on one of the best shows ever in a long, long time. And even if Kenny Omega wasn't on it, you could have replaced him with any wrestler that was on that level, and it would still would have been just as good of a pay-per-view because the rest of the card is really solid, too. And everybody knows about Backlash 06 for wrestling fans, so we'll get into it. Yeah, let's get into it, though, man. Since Impact has been the talk of the town, we're going to kick it right off with the Impact Rebellion 2021 pay-per-view. Uh, it was a good time. The boys and I got together at Wex's house. Unfortunately, it was a little stinky, but I dealt with it. It was uh, it was nice so to kind of be there. Um, it was nice to kind of be there. Now, I will say that the production has been like significantly better like we have covered a couple of more recent impact shows and i do feel like the production value has gone up quite a bit in their video packages and their overall presentation um i mean just a little while ago we saw ec3 and moose do a terrible cinematic match and this seems like night and day like a totally different company to me as far as production value um, although I do really hate the fact that they still have an empty arena, they're filming in Nashville, Tennessee, our hometown, because we haven't told you guys that enough. Um, and I, like, obviously, restriction. I mean, 
no matter where you live in the country, you probably know about the restrictions in Nashville or the non-restrictions. So the idea that there's literally no one in the crowd still at a impact show is kind of crazy to me. Um, but yeah, what'd you guys, what'd you think about that open Jesse, as far as like the production package and you know, the whole empty arena still with them. Impact is definitely, that's the, the main thing that they needed to do was to stay ahead of the game, really improve that production aspect. And there are a lot of snafus on a lot of the older pay-per-views or the more recent ones, I should say. This time last year, we were awaiting to see who they signed out of the people that got released in WWE. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those situations that it took a really long time and uh, they finally kind of gotten there a little bit. I thought it looked slick. I agree on the crowd thing. That's hugely bothersome to me because... It's imagine this show with a crowd. Oh yeah. Matches, but for fuck's sake, that could have been a game changer for impact. And it gives me hope that they will get to that point and it will still have game changer events on their pay-per-views. However, you can't replicate this one. So this is a, what's next. How do you raise the bar from here? And they're going to have to figure that shit out, man. I agree. I agree. Wex, you got any thoughts on that open, the production value and everything? I mean, like, just like both of you guys said, Really good productions, improved a lot. Uh, we had a few little camera issues throughout the show, but that wasn't necessarily production. That was just some guy fucking Michael J. Fox in the camera. But goodness gracious! Besides that, yeah, excellent. Stealing, production. stealing my lines over here. Stealing my lines, Lex. Yeah, that's that's how you gotta do it. You gotta ad- <laughs> adapt, adopt, and make it your own. But I but I actually had a friend working that show pulling a little cable behind one of the cameramen, and I texted him that I was like. It was Michael J. Fox in the camera. He goes, that wasn't one of our guys. And I was like, yeah. That was an impact guy. And I was like, yeah. Is pulling, some, yeah. Cable behind, pulling some cable behind the cameraman some kind of weird metaphor for something? That sounds we like know. a euphemism. I feel I like. exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but, yeah. They, they definitely improved a lot. I enjoyed the open. And also, you saw some more of that really nice production later in the show when they show a trailer for the upcoming pay-per-view. So. Yeah, it, it yeah, it was the production values overall were, were quite a step up here. And so was this opening match, honestly. Uh, the opener here is a triple threat match for the X Division Championship is TJP versus Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin. Uh, man, the match was awesome. Uh, there were a couple of little, little stutter steps, but, um, you know, the chemistry was definitely there. Uh, and I uh, dude, Ace is an absolute star. There's only a matter of time before that dude is a top level talent. I mean, like a, a main event guy. Um, it's just he's got it. The gimmicks there. Um, everything that he brought to the match was great. TJP seems to get better somehow. He, he's getting more aggressive and less um, less. Uh, I don't want to say choreographed. I don't want to say dancey, but like. He's getting more violent and a little less fluid, which I like. You know what I mean? Like a little more violent and a little less finesse, I, I would say. Um, he's getting a little bit more stiff, which I enjoy. Josh Alexander is is one of the guys, kind of like Trey McGill, that we'll talk about here later on, that I feel like kind of got really, really hurt by losing the tag team spot. And actually, the more I think about it, Trey McGill and Josh Alexander would probably be a hell of a tag team if you put them together because they have completely different styles, but they're both well-aversed in tag team action. Either way, I thought the match was solid. Some really good false finishes. I gave this thing four and a half beers. Wex, what did you think about this opener? I mean, even though you really pissed me off earlier, I'm agreeing with you here. Four and a half beers also. Fantastic match. I really like how they had a little bit of everything. It was really high speed, fast pace, but... Lots of submissions, like high-flying moves. Oh, shit, almost knocked something over. God damn it. <laughs> Lots of suplexes, especially Josh Alexander. He was hitting a little bit of everything. And I, like you said, TJP, 
I like how he's been working lately, and I really like that spot where Josh Alexander I was kind of. I guess he had a uh, had uh, him in a figure four, Ace Austin, and then uh, TJP came up with the Mamba Splash on both of them during the submission. I really yeah. popped for that. I, that was one of my favorite spots in the match. But yeah, I mean, it was all over the place, like just, but in a good way with just yeah. different types of action going on. Ace Austin, I agree. Eventually. Even though, like Jesse pointed out to me, he's had the same gimmick forever and ever, and has never really changed. It's working, but yeah, but yeah, I agree. It was really good. Four and a half beers for me. I really would have liked to seen Ace Austin actually win the title right here, but Josh Alexander deserves it. He he's still very good. He's like a little squirrely, wiry Kurt Angle. Yeah, he's something like that. He's the Canadian version. He's the Wish version. Uh, Jesse, where you at on? I swear to God that we do not plan this or talk about our ratings beforehand, but the Trinity have Trinityed once again. Yay! Four and a half <laughs> from me. The I, What can be said that wasn't already touched on a little bit? I mean, just super high level of action. The pace was great for an opening match. What a great kickoff to this show. I mean, imagine, again, I, I, I'll probably say it a multitude of times during this broadcast, but imagine this with a crowd. As a fucking yeah. show opener. Fuck. No, I agree. It's just so good. And yeah. one thing that Impact does well, I, I must say that they thread throughout the show here too, and they did it in the open, and the con- the announcers talk about it a little bit too. They kind of have the structure down of maintaining, like, talking about the main event the entire time and having things that nod back to it. And it happened during commentary a couple times in these matches, which I appreciate. Only Like, AEW doesn't do that at all. It's like everything is just so stark and separate, and you really don't – they may touch on what the main event is, but they don't really build the story. Yeah, But even that happening didn't take a damn thing away from this match. The one thing I would have changed about it, I kind of wish that the Fulton involvement just was had not been a thing because the match yeah. was just so good between all three of them as it stood. Yeah, But, I mean, it didn't hurt it that much for me. It's still a four-and-a-half beer match, which is super fucking high. I just yeah. kind of wish that they let the other, just the three guys stand alone because they did a really great job here. There were some super sick spots. TJ with that wheelbarrow, whatever the fuck you want to call it, drop kick that he did is up and over drop kick to the outside on that. Oh yeah, yeah, that was super sick. It was like he, yeah. but he like used the rope to like kind of extend his body. It was sick. Yeah, and what you see wild. here with Josh Alexander is uh, now that Ethan Page is gone, he's out of the tag team picture. Where is Josh Alexander's place? And here they're they're giving him the rub. They're giving him the uh, opportunity to run with this title, and he can be that like powerhouse big dude looking like a main event level player in the ring with guys in this X division contention. So I thought it was fucking great. Yeah, man. I mean, here we are in unison for match number one, um, on the rebellion show. Let's hop over here to WWE backlash 2006. Uh, we got to talk about this open man. Uh, the whole open with Vince and Sean and God, to me, it was super cringe. I was not a fan of any of this. It's one of my least favorite things that WWE has ever done. Um, What's crazy, too, is that, like, excluding excluding probably this very first opening match, everything else on this show had something that, like, probably would not fly today. <laughs> like, literally every single one of the every, – everything else on the show. So um, it was a little wild. I mean, I will say the package for Edge and Triple H and Cena was really well put together. I mean, WWE is going to WWE, and they did a really cool job. I did hate the super tribal stage set, though. Uh, not a big <laughs> fan of that, as you can see clearly behind you. It looks like somebody just threw up uh, a version Randy of Steel Orton's and Randy Orton's tattoos. Yeah, and Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened there. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on the opening before we move on to the uh, the first match here, Jesse? Man, 
I agree that the whole angle with the God thing, obviously super cringeworthy. And we get, we just got to talk for a second about how intense of a reflection this is of WWE's creative at the time. I mean, 2006, you, you're seeing TNA, which is still an upstart at this point. The company's four years old, not even four years old, close to it. And they have a really outstanding roster. They're doing some pretty cool fucking shit. And they've brought in a whole lot of names. They have a lot of attention, a lot of eyes on them. If there was any time that they were ever going to get to a point where they could have taken away viewers, this would have been it. Because the creative yeah. is so shitty. I mean, like, the, ma- yeah. the main the main event picture involves three top guys. Uh, there's no argument there. The mid-card is completely lacking. I mean, they're filling time in this show left and right. And it's it's evidenced by the fact that the main angle in the first package isn't even on the main event. The first package is on this gimmicky fucking ego trip for Vince. So, I guess not much has changed, but it's just very... That fucking Tanner, man, uh, he's just looks like a he looks like uh, George Napolitano or something. He just looks like he's fucking orange. It's awful. <laughs> so for those of you that are on our Patreon and you can see Jesse as he talks, he's wearing a baseball shirt. And so like when he's when he leans in, you can just see the yellow part and he looks like an actual character where his like body's just real tiny. And he's got this massive noggin sitting on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. I'm a big fan. Wex, what do you think about this open for Backlash 2006? I mean, dude, I absolutely love the opening package. Uh, the opening package, goddammit. Like, I was laughing so hard when I had the all the Vince God, like, ridiculous shit. I mean, and it was crazy that the whole thing was in Kentucky. That really uh, popped for me because you don't, I don't think you ever really see WWE paper, paper wrestling pay-per-views in Kentucky. Well, I think it's one of the that. only times that they ran in Kentucky, and I really enjoyed the fact that we got good old JR and Jerry Lawler together on this pay-per-view because yeah. WrestleMania, I'm pretty I don't remember JR being in at that many of the matches on WrestleMania. He was on like some of them, but not all of them. Because I they also had, like, think at this point, like Coach and Styles I'm yeah, that's sure. a, we're part exactly. of the regular broadcasting team, and they just were nowhere to be seen on the show. Yeah, exactly. That's why. That's why I thought it was weird, but I thought it was cool that we had Jr. and Lawler together because they're 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 the they're the goddamn best team. I mean, come on now, of our There's, era. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. We should maybe we should have a little Patreon bonus episode about the best commentary teams in mm, wrestling. I feel like they. Yeah, I feel like they'd bad. be fun. But let's get on to the first match here. It's Chris Masters versus Carlito. Feels like a pretty much automated, like random when you play any SmackDown versus Raw game on PS2. Uh, but yeah, it's um, Carlito doing his very best Eddie Guerrero impression as a cheating babyface, but it worked and the crowd was super hot for it. Um, the Masters Sucks chant was so loud. Uh, I was, I mean, honestly, it was a good little match, especially for 2006. May have been one of Masters' better matches, bell to bell. A um, couple of pretty good false finishes. Definitely not a show stealer. Uh, but I thought it was a solid match. I'm right in the middle on it. I gave it three beers. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't bad. I didn't expect a lot from it. So maybe the surprise decent work, um, you know, gave it that extra shove for me. Wex, where are you at on Chris Masters versus Carlito? I hate to say it. I really hate to say it. But I'm literally right there with you again, right in the middle. Three beers, solid open. Well, I am Mr. Know-It I mean, also. It was a cl- I mean, this is like the classic WWE, the random paired tag team that gets together has a short little run, and this is their little feud final match after they break up. It's like the classic shit they always pull. And they, like you said, random as hell, just like you do a universe mode and it pair up a random people and do a random match. And, dude, the crowd was fucking hot for this match. I don't know if it's just because it was the opener, but like you said, they were fucking, like, when Carlito locked in the master lock on Chris Master, they lost their shit. 
Oh yeah. That was like one of the louder heavy. pops yeah. of like the first half of the night, and I did. I, and I actually wrote the same thing down. I was like Carlito doing the cheating babyface Eddie Guerrero style, which we see that again a little bit later in the card, but it didn't quite work out for him. But dude. Pretty like you said, pretty solid work. I mean, I like the like the little cheat to win backcracker, cheating, yeah. using, using the ropes for leverage. Solid match. Three beers for me. Surprisingly fun, and the crowd was hot. Jesse, where are you out on it? I gotta say, I think the crowd was just hot because it was the beginning of the show. That's I mean, I, true. like you know, this nobody cared about this feud. I mean, right. it was not a you know nobody gave two fucks. But I understand why they did the roles the way they did here, and they were, you could tell they were testing the waters with Carlito. They're trying to see yeah. what they had with Carlito, and in my opinion, never got to a point where they could have with him. Still haven't. I yeah. don't get it. But I really feel like had the roles been reversed here. Now, granted, we're looking at this in a vacuum, but had the roles been reversed here, I think it would have been a thousand times better match. But Masters, nobody. I mean, I get the narcissist gimmick or whatever. Nobody gives a shit. He just wasn't at a point where anybody was invested enough to care about him being a heel. You could have him be a face that was just kind of like milk toast or whatever versus Carlito. But Carlito works absolutely the best as a shit heel. That's just his whole thing. His whole fucking character is that. Deviating from that, in my opinion, this early in was not a good idea. I that was a huge mark for the backstabber though, and. Mm-hmm. Every time that move got hit in this era, it was just like immediate pop for me. I absolutely loved it. I thought the apple distraction thing was fucking choice. That was very Guerrero. He throws the yeah. apple behind him and then shoot, you know, gets a shot on him or whatever. I only gave it two and a quarter beers, though. I really felt like out of everything on this roster at the time, you could have come up with something better to open the show, especially in Kentucky. I mean, shit, like it's a Southern wrestling crowd, like it or not, that's underutilized and not run a whole lot. I would have put flair in the fucking open. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. I think everybody would have been hot for that. So I don't know. It is what it is. Two and a quarter beers from me. Yeah, I mean, we're. I guess we're not that far off. We're only, you know, three quarters of a beer, and I am drinking more than Jesse these days. So let's uh, let's keep moving on here to the next uh, the next show, the next match on the card. It's violent by design with a promo in the back. It's pretty solid. Um, I got distracted by the Bill Burr lookalike and Diener, but um, nobody else seemed to see it. But I definitely. <laughs> Feel that vibe a lot. You guys tell me. Tell me if I'm wrong on Twitter, okay? I'm telling you that Diener looks exactly like Bill Burr, but young and with brown hair instead of redheaded. It's the exact same person. If Bill Burr was a pro wrestler, it's the same person. Um, Well, let's move on to the match here. It's James Storm, unfortunately. Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards, and Willie Mack versus Rhino, Doring, Diener, and Morrissey, who is big cast, essentially. Uh, man, I thought Cass looked, or Morrissey rather, looked incredible. Um, the superplex to the outside spot was really bad, and it hurt the match. The setup was way too long. The execution was bad. Uh, just It wasn't good. Moral of the story, though, Cass looked great. The match was meh to me. Gave it two beers. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at on it. Uh, Jesse, how you feeling about this one? Fucking stole my rating, bro. Two beers. But... It's a multi. It's an eight-man tag. It's gonna be a fucking yeah. mess. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And James, James Storm is in it too, so you know. He his work was so weak throughout the whole thing. I mean, you don't talk about a bunch of missed spots. I mean, outside of that superplex, he was the only one that was just like missing every fucking thing. Yeah. And the superplex is definitely the worst aspect of this match. And had they completely left it out, it probably would have gotten a much higher rating for me because they didn't really utilize everyone poorly, even though there were so many people in the damn match. I, they put the highlight on Cass, but what sucks about that is. It really took a lot of shine off of Doring, in my opinion, 
because he didn't get to stand out as that big, like, hulking, tall enforcer of the group yeah. so much because Kaz is a fucking giant. Yes, <laughs> you know? really so is, it's yeah. like, at that point in time, Joe just looked like another wrestler. Yeah. I mean, you know, he had wrestling trunks on. He didn't have, you know, the 10-gallon hats gone. He just looked like another guy. And yeah. um, I, I kind of hated that. I feel like misusing that guy that early. Not that they misused him, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. I know everybody hates that phrase, but I don't, so fuck you. But the uh, Chris Sabin looked about as generic as anybody ever looked. Yeah. I thought Willie Mack got a lot of his shit in, though, which I'm a fan of. I love Willie Mack. Juggalo or not, I think he's the shit. The I just can't. I got to mention it again, that fucking superplex spot. It's just one of the saddest parts of the whole thing because yeah. – you can literally see that what they just this is a pinnacle move for the entire match. And in their setup, this is probably one of the few things that they super, super focused in on and lasered in on. And you can see the look on everybody's face as they're waiting on them to get the damn spot right on the outside. And it's just one of those Dragon Ball moments where the fireballs come in for five fucking minutes and the guys just staring at it and stay in the same place. I fucking hated that part. That's why two beers from me. That's, you know, that's a fair assessment. I'm not I'm not too mad at that. Wex, where you at on it? I'm almost with it, you guys. I went two and a half beers. Not much different. I don't know how I even made that little half beer extra rating thing you did. Maybe because Willie Mack had a stunner. I don't know. But Joe Balding, as I wrote, uh, slipped out of it because he didn't get the pin. But like you said, Dub Morrissey, W. Morrissey, he must have – I don't know what his first name is. but W. Morrissey? But old, but old Morrissey, dude, he looked great. Even though he's on that brother gas, heavy. At least he's so Heavy good. on the gas. Don't call him Diesel. Yeah. But yeah, I also have the same note. Terrible super setup from the fucking superplex. And man, like I said, chaotic for a fucking mat. Like, you know, eight ma- six man tags are already pretty chaotic. You can kind of make them okay, but an eight man tag, it's just, it is what it is. It's going to be fucking wild. And kind of some bullshit, you know, set the setup spot. And everybody's just kind of wild, but you know, you got the, what was uh, Cass's finisher? Is it like the. East River Slam or the something, but it's a, essentially a sit-out sidewalk slam. Yeah, but the gunslinger. Yeah, the gunslinger. There we go. I mean, even though he could have took Joe Wildcat, he could have took Doran's hat <laughs> or the Wildcat. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it was a taunt to James. I can't Stewart. remember what he called it, but I, honestly, I, I legit, I really feel I, Chris Harris was the first person I ever saw do that move. Like, I really feel like he was the first person. I think he was doing it before Billy Gunn was doing it. He definitely was. I, I can't remember if he was the first I saw do it, but he was definitely pre-Billy Gunn. Either way. Anyways, yeah. 2.5 beers because BBD is a little bit too wild for me. And you, it means violent by design, not anything about dicks like I was thinking when I wrote it down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Always thinking about this. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm too influenced by the Good Brothers, you know, dicks and shit like that. Dicks and banglies. Uh, well, speaking of dicks, back on the other show, there's a, a very 2006 little promo by Lita about being a hoe. Um, so that was fun. I have that. I literally have Lita hoe promo. <laughs> yeah, and this is where we start to get a little offensive, and that kind of carries on throughout the rest of the show. Uh, we had Armando. Alejandro Estrada. Like, okay, the idea of that character now would be ripped apart by Twitter about how racist it is <laughs> oh, yeah. and how on the nose it is and whatever. You know, it's just it was not a not a I mean, although the dude could talk, he did a he did a great job. He had a lot of heat and honestly served his role really well. 
Um, I think that guy, had he not been cast in such a stereotypical gimmick, could have had a much longer run as a pretty solid manager. Uh, but the match on the card here is Umaga versus Ric Flair. Um, and I mean, at this point, they're just putting Flair out there to get over a new guy. And that's fine. The crowd ate it up. Flair got all his spots in for the most part. And he sold like only Flair can sell. And Omaga, Omaga, Umaga looked like an absolute <laughs> monster. Um, I enjoyed this more than I should have because I'm such a Flair mark. It was essentially a squash, but the crowd was hot. Flair kept them hot for a reason. And at this point, too, like we're getting to the point where Flair is going to build to that final year and a half, two year run before he retires that I think was kind of like his golden golden brick road out of the business. And there were some really good matches in here. This unfortunately was not one of them, but I still gave it two and a half years because Flair is going to flare. He sold really well. And uh, Umaga was an actual beast that got taken from us too soon. I can only imagine what Umaga and like Roman Reigns would be like this these days. Uh, Cause I do feel like if he was still with us, he'd definitely still be working and still be kicking ass. But um, yeah, Wexley shaking your noggin over there. I know it's probably because you stole my fucking rating. Like you stole my gimmick and every other thing here. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I did go. again. I stole another fucking rating. Two and a half beers, exactly. And I have not exactly what you have, but I wrote a glorified squash match. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. And same thing, babyface Ric Flair doing heel shit the entire match, low blows, everything, and the crowd fucking eating it up, just loving the shit. And I was loving it too. I nah, this was like because I don't know. I didn't, you know, I didn't get to watch Ric Flair that much in WCW, like when it when he was on, because I didn't really have cable, and I was more of a WWE guy, WWF guy. So like when I really got to watch Flair all the time was like you said this whole that whole like last era, like that's when I would see him weekly on TV and shit, like actually seeing him act and wrestle too, like it, the whole thing we yeah. talked later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this was that that last little like run for him and dude. I loved everything. He did the Rikishi splash. And then I love JR said, because this was like his, this was uh, Umaga's d- pay-per-view debut. I want to say. I believe so. Was it really? Wow. Yes, this is his pay-per-view debut. Cause he just debuted a few, like four weeks ago on uh right after WrestleMania on raw. Wow. I said raw. Raw. Umanga on raw. Yeah. Umanga on raw. That's exactly how William Regal would say it. But he eventually, the move was called the Samoan Spike, but JR said on commentary, goes, hit him with that Samoan-like spike. And I was like, Samoan-like? Okay. What, how, how, can I, how can a spike be Samoan-like? But uh, that well, box-like stuff. <laughs> Manga, he got the win. Nice victory there. Like I already said, two and a half beers. Love seeing old Ric Flair get his ass whipped. Jesse, what do you think about uh, Ric Flair? All I heard from Wax was like, boo-hoo, I was poor. What, what did you think about this? <laughs> The uh, uh of, you know, how unique is the situation of Ric Flair in that he is literally here to enhance talent in 2006. He retires about two years after this. One of the most over guys, if not the most over guy of in all the time business. Yeah. And you're you have him here to put somebody over and it works like a fucking charm. It made Umaga look great. And I love Armando, dude. I, I, I like this. The gimmick. You're right, Daniel. Fucking. Obviously, off base, tasteless, not something that should, could possibly happen today. But the talent in and of himself, he definitely had it. Like, he had a way to be in there. And if it hadn't been for that gimmick, he probably would still be working if he wanted to. But Umaga looked like a fucking beast, which is exactly what he was supposed to do. The squash match was supposed to get him over, make him into a threat. 
I gave it three beers. I mean, just because it was what it was supposed to be. And thank God it was short. I'm glad they didn't try and get too fancy with it or anything. But it was, I hate that finisher, though. That was one thing that I always just really let, wish they did differently with Umaga was give him a little bit more meat on the bone with the move. Something that was worth a shit. I just had like the concept of the thumb to the throat thing. And now they have what's his nuts, the commander Aziz. What's his nuts? <laughs> fucking uh, Dabakato. Dabakato, Babatunde. Babatunde. Now, I know that that sounds bad, but it, that was that's actually for his name. <laughs> and uh, now he's commander Aziz, and they're calling it the Nigerian nail. It's like the Samoan spike. <laughs> it's also even a, an alliteration as well. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> fucking thing dude so vince mcmahon loves alliteration you should know this by now he I, loves it yeah like, absolutely think yeah. about everything is god literally everything literally everything razor ramon <laughs> like you, you know, i understand that. It's, it's just when you have coach. the same fucking move and the same concept behind a guy that doesn't talk and somebody else talks for him and it's the same finisher and it still looks weak as shit i'm sorry no one has ever made a fucking jam in a thumb in somebody's throat look like it was a powerful enough move to knock him out. I fucking like. I mean, you ever jam? No, honestly, thumb I, don't, I don't. Throat? Yeah, I don't. I don't mind the spike, honestly. Like, I, I mean, to me, it's not any less valid than a, a mandible claw. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's, it's not way better than Big Show's yeah. knockout punch. I tell you yeah. that. I hate yeah. the knockout punch. The mandible claw, we disagree on that. But look, if he's gonna jam his thumb into his throat, why the fuck didn't he do it when the bell rang? Like that's, that's not that's, a that's what I think about the knockout punch. Like, if a, you can just knock him out with a punch, why not just do it? Well, like, when they were first trying to get that over, he did have a long run on Raw where it was like two minute matches, and he would just walk out there and just straight up punch one guy, and like that was it. Like the thing is, him ramming his ass into the corner, that spot looks much more vicious. Dude, Ric Flair's head just going. That was sickening. That was one of those things where his head snapped back, and it was one of those things where I'm like. Fuck man, that might have been legit. Like that didn't look like it was positioned right. And of course, that's just flair. But yeah, that's just flair being flair. Yeah. But it looked fucking amazing. I just think Umaga. I mean, you got a guy that has, is that size and that vicious, and his finish is a fucking thumb to the throat. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Three beers. It could have been. It could have been better. But you know what? Anytime I get, I don't care if it's eighty six, ninety six, two thousand six. If I get to see Ric Flair on a show, I'm into it. Um, now here we go on the next show though. It's, uh, it's the perfect, the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers versus always ready Matt Cardona. And, okay. So like, hear me out, hear me out, dude. Um, I think that like you guys were saying, like maybe cash shouldn't have been positioned in that, you know, like violent by design match. And I completely agree. I think that if you're really trying to push Myers as a heel, and, you know, they came from the E, like no one's straying away from that. They have it on commentary the whole time. Have Cass help Myers, the heel, win this match against Zack Ryder, essentially. It's a much better use of him. It's a much better way. It doesn't hurt the angle. It makes more sense, too, because he knows both of these guys. He wrestled them with Enzo. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. To me, that would make way more sense. I thought they had great chemistry, and I thought the match was great all the way up into the shitty fake injury spot. Like, I thought the match was really cool. Apparently, up- it wasn't fake. They said he had to put it; his knee had to get popped back into place. I think he's kayfabing. I, I think it's k. I think he's kayfabing it too. I think he's the way it looked. Yeah, it, it was just. Uh, yeah, he's just not a great actor, man. I mean, come on. 
You're telling me Matt Cardona's a tough guy, and he's just—I mean, look at his face. Like you can go back and there's—he's not a great actor. It's pro wrestling. He didn't do anything after the spot. Hey, I mean, those I, scenes with him in the wheelchair were some, some goddamn Oscar-worthy moments. This is why I fucking hate you, Wix. Anyway, like I, I will say, like it, it didn't—it really didn't. I mean, it didn't kill the match. I thought it was really good, but it did knock a whole beer off for me. Had you not had the fake injury spot, had you maybe had Cass as the interference or even a surprise thing and Myers get the win there, it would have bumped it back up to four, but I'm giving it three beers because I did think the chemistry between two ex-tag team partners sometimes sucks, but I thought this was pretty good. But I'm right there in the middle on it just because I really hated the finish. So I'm three beers on this one. Jesse, what do you think about Myers versus Cardona? I mean... Obviously, these guys have a past and they know each other. That was evidence throughout the match. I thought the way the match was worked overall was really good. I agree. I, yeah. I, you know, they put on a fucking banger, in my opinion, of a, of a good wrestling match. But there wasn't anything to me that, like, stood out, you know. But that also means that there could be room for something that does stand out in a blow-off or as they try to build an actual okay. legitimate feud. Right. I wouldn't be mad at that. I mean, it would make more sense. If they had a middle division title that wasn't the X division title, but because these guys aren't going to go for the X division title, I hope that's just, I don't think they need a title. I don't think they need it, but I'm just saying that getting other people involved in that chase might spice this feud up a little bit. And I love the Monday morning quarterback booking of having cast on Meyer's side here. However, you also have to think like they had some time to work it out because I know Eric Young's injury was during a taping that was some time ago, but the whole reason that they even had a different guy in, supposedly, was to fill that spot. So I'm curious right. to see, you know, I don't, I wonder when that came up. You know what I mean? Right. Like, is he yeah. coming in just, is Cass coming in just for that one spot? Is he going to be back on impact? And we'll see. But it's very intriguing to me because it doesn't seem like the type of place that he would want to actually, like, land, land. You know what I mean? He's not going to want to sign a termed contract with impact, I don't think. But this match... The injury spot, again, you know, they said that he had to fucking pop his kneecap back into place after the match or whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, the finish was still fine. It was it, it was one way to make the feud just go further and have the friend attack his buddy while he's down and yada, yada, yada. Again, I gave it three beers. Yeah, kind of in the same boat on that one. Uh, Wex, where are you at on this one, man? I enjoyed the match. I thought I had a good little story, and I actually like the finish. Of the injury thing, because just like Jesse said, you know, you, your friend's course, down, he's supposed to did. be injured, and then he hits him with two two hard-ass lariats after that, and then, you know, the refs aren't going to stop, and he gets the win, you know? I like, I just, that little bit of viciousness, I like that from Brian Myers, and I have a feeling that this feud isn't over. They're going to continue this for a little bit, and you were saying X Division title. Not that they should go for it, but I think he should bring back the internet championship. Is that copyrighted by WWE, or does he own that? No, he owns it. Dude, he should totally bring back the internet championship. I agree. He's in one of the video games, so I'm curious. No, he. I mean, he. Own, I mean, I know he owns it. I know he owns the tight. Like, I know he owns the rights to the actual title belt itself. I don't know if he owns the trademark on the phrase "internet championship." Right. But I know that he like not just the actual physical belt, but, but he like owns, the design. Like, the like, yes, the design of that yeah. belt. He owns it. Yeah, because yes. that's like supposed to be his head or whatever. Yeah, but. Like I said, I don't, I don't think the injury angle made it suffer, so that's why I gave it four beers. I kept it right where you would have had it if you wouldn't, you know, if you would understand how wrestling works, like I do, and you would have gave it four beers. 
So, so uh, over on the other show, it's uh, it's it's uh, an awful imitation of miracles here with the fish and the bread, and like there's a holy mackerel moment too. Um, like he actually says holy mackerel. Um, this yikes doesn't even begin to describe how bad this shit is. Like, I mean, it's it's uh, this is worse than Katie Vick to me. I'm I'm honest. Like I honestly feel like this is the wor- the worst shit, the worst shit. The worst shit that Vince Vince specifically has ever been a part of. It's awful. It's not good. The only thing that did pop me after he did the whole like pours the water out and he's like, oh, it's me walking on water, pal. (laughs) But then at the end, after the fish and the bread, Shane goes to take a swig of what's left of the water and it's wine and everyone's confused. And I was like, that's good. Like, that's funny. (laughs) That part's funny. Like the rest of it was awful. Um, Yeah. God in heaven, um, please don't strike me down for doing this podcast. Jesse, what do you think about that? Uh, the water and wine and fish and walking on water and puddles. and I mean, there's cringes everywhere, obviously. But the thing is, they'd already committed to the fucking angle. And at that point in time, you're going to go. If, you, if, you, if you're going to do it, you got to take it home. And God knows Vince's ego very yeah, well. Does. I imagine. Yes, he does. <laughs> So it's one of those situations of you know, that's one of those things. It's going to be touchy. It's going to be controversial. It's meant to touch those same weird little funny bones that you don't want people touching on, like in the operation game or whatever. But no, you know, you know, not very well done. I will say Shane, if you look at the look on his face and this happened during mania too, like when the God thing got brought up and they did the McMahon family prayer and all that shit. Shane looks not all the way on the team. Like he looks oh, he's, pretty not sold on doing it. He's kind of like distancing himself from it a little bit. And I don't think that's character. I think that that's fucking a he shoot. He said that. I mean, yeah, he's said that before. Like he, yeah. it's one of the things he regrets doing. He's actually he said that on the Stone Cold podcast, I believe. Makes but sense. Wex, Wex, where are you at on it? Well, since you know I'm a heathen, I thought this was hilarious. I laughed literally the entire time. I was like, can it get more outrageous? And it just kept getting more outrageous and like, like the bread, like the fish going everywhere and the holy mackerel just. El Vince was so happy to say that line like that popped me because he, you could tell he was just like having the time of his life and you could tell he was 100% into this, like just selling it all the way. Yeah. I fucking, I laughed my ass off and then the whole water to wine shit. Like you can audibly hear some like a redneck saying the water's wine now. Like I could clearly <laughs> audibly hear that and i was like the water's wine now yeah I, that made me pop really hard like i thought it was a hilarious bit i think one of the funniest things vince has ever done i think that you have trash opinions let's uh move on to the match here it's uh it's mickey james versus trish stratus for the wwe women's championships uh it's pretty quick i mean the work that they did get in was solid but it's obvious that this is a match like just to further their storyline so it was like a schmoz finish uh, I was kind of meh on it. I gave it a beer. Um, Wex, what did you think about it? Uh, literally, again, for I don't know how many goddamn times on this show, I gave it a beer also. And all sons of bitches. I mean, it was like, uh, it wasn't that good of a match, and it ended prematurely because I don't know if that was a real injury. No. Yes, it was. But, he was out of because, it. He was out you, for two months. Oh, was it just, really? Because if you saw her arm on the replay, it looked very fucked. She, like, very tweaked it back. So I guess they decided to just call an audible and have a DQ finish, but it was just kind of weird. And 
Yeah, bullshit. I was not a fan of it. They could have took this off the card completely, but then, you know, they were basically trying to fill time this entire card. So, yeah, what can you do? No tag team titles on this card. Lots of shit they could have put on. Tag team titles are on the line. But Vince McMahon does not give a fuck about tag team wrestling, and this show is all about jerking his own dick, so. That's that's definitely where we're at with this. Uh, Speaking of jerking... Uh, let's jump back over here to the Rebellion card. Oh, you don't have to have my opinion. That's fine. <laughs> Damn it, Jesse. Did you not talk about this already? You yep. Just, you I'm just a son let, of a bitch. Do Jesse under the bus. That's what do you fine. think, man? What Whatever. You, think? You, yeah. see, you see how he treats us? I think it's just because you guys are having your little lover's quarrels over here, and somehow I'm just left out in the barn for not being a dick to either one of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can you can stay in the barn for me, baby. Keep it warm. Yikes. The, <laughs> the Mickey Trish rematch from Mania. I'll tell you the weirdest thing that stood out to me about this was commentary selling their angle building to this match where they dressed as each other in the build yeah. up to it. And they're like, yeah. oh my God, she's dressed like herself. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. come on, man. That's just, it, it's a dumb angle to begin with. And I understand why you might do it on TV, but that doesn't need to be what you hone in on for this fucking match. The, supposedly, so Trish was out for two months after this. She dislocated her shoulder in that spot. And she actually retired later this year. She came back for a, a small spell of time, but she was out after that. So, oh, wow. I did not realize it's, that. It's like kind of towards the end here. One thing I will say, if you remember their match at Mania, they, you know, the crowd kind of turned on what the dynamic that WWE wanted. They wanted yeah. everybody to be cheering for Trish and uh, hating on Mickey, but obviously the, the old concept of HLA kind of fucked up WWE's plans at Mania. But here they had gone back to, you know, the scripted promo, I guess. Everybody was cheering the shit out of Trish. Trish had this weird, like, Pocahontas-looking nudie suit-colored fucking thing going on. It was very interesting. Don't you shame that. You, there, you better shame not it. shame I said it. it was interesting. I did say it was weird. It was weird. It was, it, it was startling to see when she walked out. But Trish Stratus is a startling individual, so it is what it is. But... I gave it one beer as well. It sucks that the injury thing happened. I, I think that that was the planned finish. I mean, it makes sense that that was the planned finish. I think that they just rushed to get there, which is why it seems so awkward. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. But this is also the only women's match on the show. And look, guys, I mean, we're, what, three matches into the show. And they're all kind of – I mean, Umaga Flair was fine. It did what it was supposed to do. It was kind of duddy. You know, it's all it's all kind of shitty. Like, yeah, there's a lot of promos, a lot of Vince stroking his own dick. I mean, I didn't hate I, Masters and Carlito, though. I thought the actually we thought, you know, we talked about that. The crowd said, was there. The, stroking. It's just we're three matches in and a fucking bunch of time in at this point, And it's yeah. kind of just all fluff. Like, this is all the stuff. That, these are the <laughs> Wex referenced earlier in our group chat about the leftover figures at the store, like the three Humberto Carrillo figures that are there that are just generic guy <laughs> jobber yeah. number one. And this is what this pay-per-view card is to me so far. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, let's jump back over here to the Impact show now that I've gotten Jesse's opinion. I apologize, Jesse. You're a patron saint of the Rock Block, and I love you. I would never disparage your name. Let's go on to the uh, – the, there's a nice little heel promo by Tony Khan in the back, um, you know, with your little Hebner segment. And I know that Jesse is absolutely dying to talk about this one. So, Jesse – Tell me how you felt about Tony Khan's promos here. I mean, I already touched on it a little bit. I don't mind his promos, and I like the fact that he, you know, does his shtick on Impact and keeps it off TV on AEW. 
Because you don't, I mean, the last thing they really need to do is have him, he's not great at it. It makes sense on Impact, but also Impact is doing what? Maybe 10% of the viewership that AEW is doing on a weekly basis, if that. So let him have his fun. Makes sense. Kind of funny. Love Jerry Lynn. Any TV time for Jerry Lynn is always awesome. Aubrey Edwards just looking like stoic, badass bitch. Always just fucking amazing. I'm for it. And everybody knows I love me some Tony Schiavone. So any screen time for Schiavone, we're there. Even Tony? (laughs) Yeah. However, we're still referencing the fucking Montreal screwjob at every opportunity given in 2021 (laughs) with the son of the guy that was fucking involved. And it just is so tired to me. It's like this is – I don't know what's deader than a dead horse that came back to life and died again, but whatever that is – is this. It's just fucking, why keep on going back to it? It makes no fucking sense to me. Um, unless you were going to have a screw job in the main event. Had they done that, it would have pissed me off less. Well, we all when he, honestly, whenever he made the Hebner reference, I didn't go to the screw job. I just went to the Hebner brothers making, like, ripping off the merch. Yeah, and them not being trustworthy. That's what, that's the first thing that I went to. He literally just said how you the Heb, just how the Hebner, <laughs> Just how the Hebner name is known for being kind of sketchy. So screw job, merch, everything. He literally said, "We know you would never screw someone over." Saying uh, about the fucking shirts, like <laughs> I loved it. I popped for it. I thought it was funny. I actually like Tony Khan as a heel. I think that maybe there might be money in that at some point, especially if he can take bumps, because I'm sure he can take bumps better than Vince. Uh, but let's get to the match. It's Fire and Flavor versus uh, Grace and Ellering here. It was a good match, but nothing really to write home about. Pretty much a straight-up women's tag match, basic finish. There wasn't any kind of story really leading up to it. Uh, Fire and Flavor both have a lot of upside. I mean, we all can gush over Jordan Grace and the potential that she has to be a massive star. I dream uh, about it nightly. <laughs> yeah, but overall this match, I think that probably we're going to be on the same page on this one. I was a little less than in the middle. I'm right at about two beers on this one. Uh, just kind of there. Didn't really need to have it. Honestly, this maybe could have opened the show and it would have had a little bit more buzz around it. I think if you flip this with that triple threat match, uh, it makes a little bit more sense. But also, I love the triple threat being an open. Either way, didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Two beers from me. Jesse, where you at on Faya and Flava versus Grace and Ellering here? I feel like with the pacing of this match, had you put it at the opening of the card, it would have been a lot harder for people to really like sink their teeth into, especially when you don't have a crowd already. It's already kind of difficult. That's fair. To me, the booking of that triple threat as the open was perfect. I, I like this match. It was a solid tag team. There was a lot of tag team dynamic going on, especially with Fire and Flava. They were really hitting that uh, on every fucking place that they could. They were hitting the right spots in terms of making sure that they made it look like there's a reason they're the champs. There's a reason they work together. Totally made sense, especially with the feud leading up to it where Jordan's partner was going to be Jazz, and then she lost a retirement match, and she comes out to the ring with the girls, and... I like Rachel Ellering. I liked her in NXT. I think that she's got upside to her too. The, you know, we get Jordan Grace's power moves. We get that little bit of a dynamic. They get the surprise win, which I thought was cool. I rated it quite a bit higher than you. I gave it three and a half beers. And one thing that I think is the reason is what I could not stop thinking about is this is better than any women's tag team match in the WWE since they introduced those belts that I can really remember. Like most of those matches are just garbage trash bag shit uh i don't know man i don't know about that but even with the teams that i like i mean bailey and sasha versus the iconics when the iconics won the straps at that mania like that match was not good i mean the iconics versus Kyrie sane and the oscar was 
sick, though. They had a really good tag team match. Maybe that's a contender. I don't know. But I felt like this was really good. And I think that if you're if you're going to do women's tag team belts, which I really don't think they should have done in the first place, but if you're going to do it, I get why you put it here. I mean, you had a, some angle-driven matches. You got it, you know, in a situation where there's some storyline, but it's pro- the audience is probably less invested. So makes sense. And then put it before the fucking banger, crazy, brutal thing that's coming up next. It made sense to me. So I gave it three and a half. I did not. Lex, where are you at on this one? This time, I did not agree with you, Daniel. I actually agree with Jesse right on the money, too. Three and a half beers for me. And I I thoroughly enjoyed this match. You got to see Jordan Grace tossing hoes around like sacks of taters just everywhere. Like that one that one that she threw down, I don't, I don't it was it was brutal. She just fucking boom. It was nice. She just literally tossed her like she just didn't give a fuck and just you you can tell, I mean, obviously we can tell she's been hitting the weights a lot, a lot lately. But yeah, fire and flavor with no slouches either in here. They're like like Jesse said, like their tag team work, like all like all the different double moves and some of the other moves he did, like that cutter over the rope that Steels hit on uh Ellering. That was really nice. I was a big fan of that. And we even got to see Jordan Grace do a little diving too. She did a nice little suicide dive out there. So she can toss hoes, she can jump on top of hoes, she can she can do it all. I don't know if it's because me any day of the week. Exactly. I don't know if it's because me and uh, Jesse have a little uh, liking towards uh, Jordan Grace there. She's just a very nice wrestler. But yeah, three and a half beers for me. I enjoyed the whole story there. I like how Jazz ended up coming down as her manager. Like, I mean, it wasn't, you know, like goddamn story of the year, like brilliant writing. But it was it was serviceable enough. And it makes sense that the tag team. That uh, Fire and Flavor had better tag team work, and you know Jordan Grace and Ellering, you know, weren't team. They kind of had to figure out a way to work together and pull out the win. I liked it. Fun match. Three and a half beers. Just love, love Jordan Grace. And by the way, my friend Kyle, who was working the tapings, said he uh, had to hold the door open for Jordan Grace, and he was like, "Whoa!" He's, and she was like, "What?" He was like, "Oh, he's like, man, I thought she's gonna whoop my ass. She was huge." Great story, Lex. Moving um, on back to the other show. Uh, we got a great. Oh, damn, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> no, actually, that was pretty funny. Like, that's pretty solid. Shout out. Is, is your friend Kyle Gilbert, did he work that show? Yes, he, he was, uh, yeah, he was working it. Nice. Nice. He was pulling I don't, cable. I don't, I don't think he was the Michael J. Fox in the camera, but, uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was definitely He was pulling there. the cable, right? Oh, yeah, he's, he's just pulling cable all night. Pulling cable just, back behind that cameraman. Oh, he's getting, just, uh, he's getting right behind that cameraman. Just making sure that cameraman's nice and loosey-goosey, just tugging on that cable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, here we go. So uh, back over here on the Backlash show, we got an HBK promo that really... <laughs> we got an HBK promo that, that at least tried to recover the bullshit. And surprise, it was actually pretty good. I did enjoy the promo here. We're not going to spend time on that, though. We're going to jump into the next match here. It's Shelton Benjamin versus RVD, the winner-take-all, Money in the Bank versus the IC title match. Jesse Baker, take it away. Dude, I mean, this is exactly, when I saw this on the card, in my head, I was like, this is the match of the night. And I was fucking right. This was so good. They they got like 19 plus minutes, which if anybody else on this card, other than the main, had that amount of time, I'd have fucking thrown my TV off of a bridge, probably. And I think maybe Vince and Sean and all them did, but it's so gaga that I kind of don't count it, but... This match was just full of not only the classic offense that you see from both of these guys, but a ton of just like, I mean, the speed at which these dudes were moving and the kind of innovative counters and things that they were coming up with, 
were absolutely astounding. And this, to me, it makes no fucking sense why Shelton Benjamin never ascended past where he was. I mean, you see, what's it, two, three months after this that RBD is the fucking champ? And then he has this whole thing where he gets caught with weed and he has to give up the belt and yada fucking yada. (laughs) Why wouldn't you put somebody like Shelton Benjamin in a similar spotlight to RVD in this era. It just made sense to me. Like, he was working his fucking ass off in this match, and it was absolutely great. That sunset flip powerbomb to the outside spot was one of the gnarliest fucking things that I've seen in the history of wrestling. And I know it's something that gets teased a lot, but it doesn't get completed a lot. And Shelton just looked so graceful and so on point and so fucking perfect doing it. He also did this sick Samoan drop counter off of Rolling Thunder that was the titties. Yes, it was so sick. Yeah. RVD gave us his classic DDT bump, which RVD taking a DDT is one of the best. Beautiful. Bumps. I mean, goddamn, you know. It's a next, to, next to him head. taking a pile driver, it's Correct. the best bump he takes, yeah. It's just this bouncing head and bouncing head handstand thing that only RVD can really put over. I mean, it's just fucking absolutely great. I gave it five beers. I thought it was a fantastic fucking match. It really, I mean, RVD, like I said, we see him capture the championship not long from now, but him walking out with the IC, keeping the money in the bank, it all totally makes sense. Commentary is the only thing that kind of disappointed me in parts of this match. Like they they announced the match well, but then they spent the whole entrance referencing the Dr. Heine promo and yeah. some other shit. And I'm like, guys, just fucking concentrate on what's going on. Like this They're is the pinnacle of your yeah. roster. And yeah. this is your Angle Benoit match of this card. You know what I mean? Like this is the closest thing that you're gonna get to a bona fide badass wrestling match without the main event stuff in it. But yeah, five beers. I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, I will say that I felt like it was the best bell-to-bell work for sure. I mean, it did start off a little shaky, uh, but, I mean, these dudes recovered amazingly well. And I kind of agree with you, like, when it comes to, you know, like, Shelton, like, it's kind of crazy they didn't get further. But to me, it's like, it's weird that you have that opinion of Shelton, but you don't have that opinion of Carlito. Because I think that Carlito had... Wait, I thought you said earlier that you couldn't see him, like, moving past where he did, like, because of... No, I said they never got him right, and I never understood it, and I still don't. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, well, then we're we're on the same page there. I, I just feel like, Shelton, I, I to me, I get it now, especially because of how many companies he's been in. Like, uh, he just doesn't, he can't talk. The guy just can't do it. Like, I mean, he doesn't need to do it. He's not... He's so good bell to bell. I agree. I mean, probably arguably one of the more under to me, Shelton Benjamin is really the Cesaro of the last generation. You know what I'm saying? Like Cesaro is like, he's great. And every now and then, yeah, cuts a decent promo. But for the most part, the dude just is just goofy on the mic, but he's insanely great in the ring. Um, and that's, that's kind of very Shelton Benjamin ish to me. There were some great sick segments, uh, just like you said, I mean, that outside sunset flip, you got to talk about that. That was a banger for sure. Um, it was a great match, man. I mean, it may have been a little too long, honestly, uh, but overall, really great. Great chemistry, great crowd involvement, too. Solid match, seeing a Van Daminator there with the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase. I give it four and a half beers. Really enjoyed it. Wex, where are you at on it? Again, but this time, again with Jesse, I am right on the money with him again with five beers. And, dude, this match was just it was amazing. I haven't seen it in years, so it was kind of like I was sort of going into it fresh. Like, I remember seeing it a long time ago, but not, like, by detail. And, yeah. dude, fucking, like, every time RVD would do something athletic, Shelton Benjamin would just be like, nope, I'm going to match you and do something even better. And, dude, that 
bait you already too mentioned like some of the sick spots like the sunset flip and then that sick ddt bump like i have written sick ddt on rvd and like the flat-footed like box jump to superplex that was just like like that's absolutely fuck he just like all one motion like and you have to do that in all one motion the way he did it was so sick also pop super hard for the briefcase van daminator yeah and I like how they kind of worked it. It, like, it made sense the way they worked in the match. It just wasn't like out of nowhere, like with the ref and everything. So like they did it sick. And I like how uh, JR had a Mr. Wrestling 2 reference. He's like, that's a Mr. Wrestling 2 knee lift. That was a really good one. JR's always hit you with the nostalgia, always hit you with the good shit. It's a solid match. I really enjoy that. RVD was super duper fucking over right now. Like, and... I forget, like, since uh, since Shelton didn't come out with his mama, I forgot, kind of forgot about that part, but then the mama's boy chant started getting really heavy with the crowd, yeah. and then they mentioned on commentary, they're like, oh, his mama's out with surgery, and that's the whole reason they went into the, um, Dr. Heine mentioning that, yeah. is because of his mom going on surgery, yeah. and I was just like, and then, you know, I think, like, King was like, it was good TV, and JR, you could just tell, he was just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Do you, do you, do you think I want to talk about that goddamn Dr. Heine shit? He even says, that was real great TV. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Like, nah, JR don't want to hear that shit, but, dude, sick-ass match. Van Dam- you you got to pop for the Van Daminator, especially in WWE. You don't, you know, you do, they don't really, you don't get it in the match like that that much because the way the rules are. In ECW, you can just pull, pull the Van Daminator. It's all right, but, yeah. Yeah. Five brewskis. So you and Jesse both were five brewskis on that one. Let's jump over to the Impact card, and it's Sammy Callahan versus Trey Miguel. And I, this is a five beer match for me, man. Like I was, I was five beers on this one for sure. Um, you know what? Like I felt like this was honestly better than it had any business being. Like, because I mean, I do kind of try to catch Impact from time to time. I know there's a storyline going, but like. Just even leading into this match, the storyline wasn't really getting a whole lot of time. Um, and like, I mean, they had like a almost like a blood feud here. It felt really well put together. I'm not really a big Sammy Callahan guy, uh, but I and I think and honestly, I think Miguel has too many ricochet like features as well as like just his overall look. And I think that might hurt him from time to time. But dude, this match was awesome. Like it was a really good match. The body slam onto like the legs of the table was perfectly executed. Uh, great match, man. Maybe one of my favorite Sammy matches that I've ever seen. Definitely my favorite Trey Miguel match that I've ever seen. I mean, five, five, five beers. It was a really, really good. I mean, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's a skeptical mark and I already didn't kind of like Callahan. So if anything, I probably went in it with a bias and I still gave it five beers. I thought the match was really, really good. Uh, Wex, where are you at about K- Callahan versus Miguel here? Dude, I mean, this was nice. It was hard hitting, but still like kind of high flying for Miguel. He got to use his offense and it meshed well with Sammy Callahan. Like anytime, like Sammy Callahan always performs best in like these hardcore situation type matches. Yeah. Whether, you know, whatever t- it's, if it's a clean straight up match, it's not, it'll be okay. But Sammy works his best when he's doing this type shit. And again, like you said, that brutal ass slam into the legs of the table, it was just. <sighs> And that sick-ass, like, powerbomb Rana reversal on the outside, that was really nice, too. We got a little chain action, got some big boss man-style whips with the chain, but still not as badass as his were. Because that, when I saw that shit for the first time, I was like, damn, you don't see that that often. But, yeah, we got some ri- – we got the one of the first times a tool was actually used. We got the wrench in the yeah. mouth. Yeah, it was sick, too. I, li- I like visual. that. And I like the uh, 
they went for like a pile driver on the same table that he did the things, but the legs snapped really weird. And yeah. I think one of y'all pointed out, like, was that was that gimmick? Was it planned to snap like that? Because no. it was just so precise the way the legs yeah. broke. But it was a total I am the table pile driver, 100%. But it's yeah. still, since the way the legs snapped, it didn't really make it look as much of like a fucked up spot. It still looked effective. And I liked how... As he got to the nine count, Miguel kind of rolled out onto his feet to stand up just for a second to just collapse again. That was a really nice touch. I loved it. Pile driver under the stairs, and when he puts the stairs on top of him, Miguel slips out at the last second. That was also sick. I'm almost there with you. I'm like half a beer away, four and a half. Jesse, tell him why he's wrong. Oh, how the turntables turn. I'm literally right between the two of you. I'm at four and three quarter beers. And I mean, I can echo a lot of the same sentiments. That fucking pile driver on the apron on the stairs was one of the scariest looking spots. Only if only for the fact that Sammy was standing with his feet half off the staircase. And it just looked to me like, how the fuck are you going to keep balance and hold this guy up? And I mean, it was like an apron stair driver. What seemed really clever to me about this match, you could definitely tell that they went into this last man standing match trying to break all the paradigms of a last man standing match. Like they didn't want to do the same powder out of a 10 count, the same way to avoid the match concluding any of that stuff. They wanted to make it their own. And I think they succeeded to a great degree. Sammy's style and Trey's style on paper don't match up at the fuck all. And they I'm not saying their styles matched up here, but they definitely worked together to come up with a fucking fantastic match. I thought it looked great. A lot of the spots were super innovative. I thought the finish was very strong. The cutter off the apron through the table onto the floor. I mean, it was great. I just, to me, I don't know what they could have done to give me a sixer here, to be honest, because this match was exactly what it should have been. Uh, I don't really have anything to criticize other than I, it, it's not like a, you know, a no Sixers is a fucking special, super big-ass thing. If there had been a crowd there, to be honest with you, it probably would have rated higher for me, only because I can imagine that what some of those pops might have been like, you know? And I'm not trying to... I don't like to factor that in. Like, I don't want to hold that against the talent. Obviously, it's not their choice. Yeah. But it's just... That obvious... It's going to add to the match. In any scenario, it's going to add to the match. So, it... Yeah. That says a lot... That just says a lot about this pay-per-view of how good it was without a crowd, to be honest. Yeah. It's it's a great show, and so far it has already surpassed my cumulative rating for the other show in total. So yeah, I think that I mean, <laughs> yes, but I don't think it's spoilers. Think it's really close, yeah, <laughs> uh, and speaking been of, listening, it's a spoiler. Let's uh, let's jump back over to the other show. Uh, we got a pretty awkward Kane Big Show thing. Um, I didn't remember the whole relevance of May nineteenth, but <laughs> I I mean I know that they had like the. Uh, I know they had the uh, you know the movie debut or whatever, but I thought it led to Katie Vick, but I was incorrect. That had been, well, that was prior to this, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was still Mask Kane. That's true. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I guess you need a cool down match after the banger that had just been on with Shelton Benjamin and RVD. But man, this match sucked. I mean, it was. I mean, it's got it's Kane versus Big Show. And I mean, it's Kane versus Big Show, so that's that, like, what, do I need to describe it more than that? Like, I mean, nope. it was awful, and not only that, but like, on top of being awful, they did the whole awkward red light fiend feeling style shit uh... that is always the drizzling shits. And I've always said on this show since the KG cast and I started, if you got me the red light bullshit, I'm not covering it. So I'm literally putting an NA. 
by this. I literally, as soon as the red light came on, I was like, you know what? I got to hold true to my fans. I got to be Mr. Know-it-all here, and I'm not covering this bullshit. So I'm going to let you guys take it away. Jesse, what did you think about Kane versus Big Show? I told myself when the lights came on that even if this match had been worth a flying fuck from Fuck City, Fuck Villa, Fuckery. It wasn't. Even if it had been, I would have given this match a dud just for introducing the damn fiend lights into the fucking equation. So it's a dud, definitely. And the match also sucked. So even without the fiend lights, honestly, probably still would have been a dud. It's a no contest, which is like the worst fucking thing you can do in a match that already doesn't matter. It's a glorified commercial for the fucking Kane horror movie. I don't know. It's just fun. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It blew mega dicks. You can't call it anything but trash. Speaking of trash, Wex, what do you think about this one? I have it also a trash rating, but different than both of you. You said N.A. You said a dud. I went negative one beers. Mm. I poured out a whole beer for this match because, God damn, it was, uh, there was a lot of trash in here. Like That botched like choke slam to DDT thing they did was just completely fucked. Big Show did a big boot leg drop. Straight Hogan, and there's a line in the match, the very end of the match that Jr. said, he said, uh, he said, this has not been a pretty match or a catches catch can classic. Straight up, and I was like, Jesus Christ! Like if Jr.'s bearing the match on commentary, yeah. I mean, what can you say? And Those he like, of, yeah. And it was so cheesy. Big Show tried to do a hook to the eye, I guess, to play on the movie See No Evil. It was just goddamn trash. And as soon as the lights came on, I said. The goddamn red lights. Are you kidding me again? Yeah. I was like, I was like, we're watching 2006 and I still have to deal with the fucking yeah. red lights. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And May 19th actually on uh, TV on Raw is actually when one of the good brothers who's going to be in one of these matches next, Gallows was fake Kane. That's true. And Gallows that's kind of what led into that May 19th storyline was the fake Kane shit for a little while. Don't think Gallows is going to get in the uh, into the Hall of Fame, though. I don't know. Did you ever see him uh, on his shit on Tough Enough, running through the uh, uh, sand with his pants falling down, his ass hanging out? That was yeah, beach classic. It's his good stuff. I mean, I think he's I think he's going to yeah, live, dang, live in the wrestling. Came out and everything. I, I got, think I think oh, I think both the Good Brothers are going to live in like wrestling memedom for like the rest of eternity. But I don't think he's getting in the WWE Hall hey, of Fame. He'll so. be in my personal Hall of Fame. I tell you that he needs to be in the Carn Brother Hall of Fame. Is what he needs to be in. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but let's just get to it here. Let's talk about the Good Brothers. It's the Good Brothers versus Finn Juice for the Impact Tag Team Championships. I mean, I was hyped to see this. I haven't seen much of Finley and Juice, and you know they were a solid team. Um, I honestly, uh, I'm, this might be the not so great opinion here, but. I felt like we got the WWE version of the Good Brothers in this match and not the New Japan oh, oh, version oh, of the Good on, Brothers in this don't, match. Don't this wasn't, no. I was actually pretty underwhelmed by their performance, honestly. Uh, I love Juice, though. I love Finley. I thought they were great. I still feel like Juice is a superstar in the making as well as he has Ace Austin kind of vibes to me. I, I think he's going to be a main event guy at some point. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he got the pin. Eh. The finish was still kind of weak. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great. I'm right there in the middle on it. I gave it three beers. Um, Wex, where you at on it? Uh, okay, for the, for one of the first times, we're we're close but not exact. I went just a little bit higher on this, three and a half. And I thought, I mean, it was a cl- it was a solid classic tag team matchup. 
But like you said, wasn't anything absolutely spectacular. And I mean, they did hit a bunch of big spots. I really like the demolition uh, decapitation that got hit, and and a, and a doomsday device both for near falls, which is kind of like you're gonna hit these two big classic tag team moves, and you're gonna do the near falls on them. And we kept having all these really sick big near falls towards the match, all these big moves like the two that I just mentioned, like a top yeah. rope neck breaker, and then it gets one with a roll up. That just kind of kind of took it away from me a little. But I get like I get it. Like oh, we're doing these big moves and. Oh, he wins with a roll up, but as we as we'll talk about later in another match, it's just like a roll up after all that. Come on now, Doomsday Device, Demolition, Decapitation, and you win with a fucking roll up. It could have been higher, but three and a half brewskis for the Good Brothers wasn't their fault. But you guys could do a little bit more, but you know, did a little bit better. Kyle Gilbert told me that. Gallows kept just hocking loogies all on the ground, like around everywhere, and they have to get people to go clean it up. It was a bad time. I'm, I'm sure he was coughing something up. Jesse, what do you think about this one? I gave it three and one quarter beers. So uh, we're all so close. And what's funny is I hand wrote my notes for all this, so it's checkable. None of this was planned. I'm once again directly in between you guys' ratings. I didn't think it was a bad match. It was a well-worked tag team match. I actually, in part of my notes, I I put the the Good Brothers look to me like they put their working boots on. But the thing is, I've watched a lot of them post WWE, and a lot of it's phoned in. You know, yeah. a lot of it's very brothered out, and which yeah. is their whole thing. I get it and to a degree. It makes sense. But very brothered out. That's 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 best fucking description ever. I just thought they had. I mean, I definitely thought that they kind of they. They were there to work for this match, in my opinion. I thought they did a really good job. I liked seeing them get kind of snaked out of the tag team offense a little bit. I was glad. Look, I love the Good Brothers. I'm a huge mark for them. But I was glad they didn't win, and I was glad that it wasn't like a big afterbirthy crazy schmoz either because it put the focus on the entourage aspect of the main event a little bit better to not have them get a big-ass angle with this match. You know what I mean? Finjuice looked great. They worked together as a team very, very, very well. I thought it was super fluid. It's cool to see those guys get some shine on American television. I mean, David Finley's never really gotten that. Yeah. Yeah, I know he did ROH and stuff, but, I mean, who the fuck sees it? Like, yeah. it was cool to see. Uh, Juice, I'm not sold on Juice the way a lot of other people are. I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't, you know, I don't care. I like him, dude. I think he's cool. Um, I love the tag team maneuvers that Finjuice put in play. I thought it made a lot of sense. The roll-up thing made sense to me because they were doing it out of countering a magic killer. I mean, you know, you catch them off guard when it looks like they're about to get on top and yada, yada, yada. I love that Juice just, like, arbitrarily high-fived D'Lo. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. I, I I forgot that in my notes, too. I totally have the Juice D'Lo high-five. That was sick, dude. It was super noticeable because since there isn't a crowd, that was the only interaction, like, outside of the people in the match for the entire show. And I just, I don't know. There, to me, there was a touch to it that was pretty fucking awesome. So, yeah, three and a quarter beers for me. Pretty fucking solid. Definitely could have been better. Could have been higher paced. Could have been a little bit more like antsy-pantsy, false finishy, whatever you want to have. But I did think it was solid. Well, boys. <laughs> Here we are. We Get arrived you. at probably the main event of this show. Uh, it's, uh... It's the McMahons versus HBK and God. And, uh, yeah. Dude, the whole entrance. Ah, gee, okay. Okay, I'm just going to say that I personally don't like ever when, like, political or religious shit is done in wrestling. I just don't think it's ever good. It's never been good. It never will be good. And, like, 
I mean, you know, Sean is Sean. So like, and the, the match itself, like he's kind of getting some decent spots in and people are getting on board. The crowd is into it. I mean, he ate a pretty vicious chair shot from Shane and got some pretty decent. He got some good color. And um, I don't know, man. I, OK, I will say the one thing that popped me like literally belly laughed was like Vince in the corner being like spitty and like yelling in the ring and then him like grabbing the tag rope. I don't know why, but him just grabbing a tag rope to me. Yeah, because half so the people, half damn the funny. Them. Like it would like the stupidest thing, like not even anything to do with the match, but just like there's a brief segment in the match. And I literally I laughed so hard that I rewound it like three times because he's just like they get a close up angle on him and he's like yelling into the ring at Shane and he's like losing his mind. And then he like drops the rope, the rope for a second. And he looks back like, oh, shit, I got to get the rope. <laughs> like and It was just so funny, like his reaction, like. Vince McMahon, of all people, that wants to hold a tag rope, like the most the most wrestling thing about tag team wrestling, like it's it's just I don't know, it's hilarious to me. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the funny lines from Lawler when the Spirit Squad caused the finish, where it's like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit Squad, or whatever uh, it was, like dude, that was Lawler funny. Was zingers, dude. Overall, though, I mean, it's Sean. Sean worked great. I give it two beers because it's Sean. Everything else was trash. I was not into this at all. Jesse, where are you at on it? Sean and Shane definitely carried the majority of the match. I thought Shane did a great job here, too. He really he was going That's all true. out. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to I say that Vince that. didn't. Shane Beltabelle was good, too, yes. It's not to say that Vince didn't do a good job, but Vince was Vince. He was there to basically be like the Flava Flav in this scenario and just hype up this whole <laughs> God bullshit. What we didn't Stop. touch on is the segment prior to the match where he is oh my god Michelle, which is one of the most awkward weird fucking things i guess that's a theme for the entire show especially when it comes to vince's involvement but that was one of the most awkward fucking things i've ever seen in my life and it was just so strange and she was like selling it like she was into it which is the most you talk about suspension of disbelief there you have it but except it didn't suspend my disbelief it was just one of those things where i'm like you poor girl you're basically forced to do this by the guy that's paying you that fucking blows i bet GoDaddy sounds real attractive right now the uh get it the hbk did a lot of really good spots that crossbody off of the fucking platform yeah. vince or whatever was super dope vince's whole panned up nickname laden entrance for god was something else i, I don't even know where half that shit Too came much. from like the hipster from heaven or whatever the fuck it was I, like i didn't you know i didn't even get it like there's just a lot of that that didn't i mean other than vince stroking his dick but the i like the idea of the spirit squad having to get involved for the match to end the way that it ended only because like it basically means the spirit squad technically i mean they aided and abetted a victory over god on paper you know so look at where they are now the um, i don't it's just one of those yeah, scenarios championships where, out of that it's okay you know um Yikes is really all you can say about this match. I will say, if you take the whole goofy part of the angle out of it and that whole element, the match wasn't bad. It wasn't poorly worked. The tag rope thing did pop me, too. And the main reason that it popped me, though, is because they spent, like, fucking 35 hours on the stage and crashing through shit and doing all this other stuff. And now you're concerned about the goddamn rules of tagging in? Like, yes. That <laughs> God, that's exactly – that was my point, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, Kyoto also holding the ladder for Sean's big spot. It was, like, one of those things where I'm like, oh, so Kyoto's the partner. What does that mean in all this? But 
I did, and this is going to piss you off, Daniel, I know, but again, they were doing the angle anyway, and if you had to do it, you had to fucking lay into it and commit it, commit to it. I gave it four beers. It was entertaining to watch. Like, the match was not bad. It really wasn't. And the angle was on the show. What are they going to do? Are they going to go in and just, like, not sell the angle? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, that's bad business, as a colleague of ours would like to say. That would be yes. bad business. So I'll go ahead and, and do the pass off here. Uh, Wexley, what did you think about this uh, McMahon's versus HBK? And God. I mean, the the only the three words, I guess these are three words that I can describe it out fucking rageous. Because I don't think outrage out fucking rageous has to be not three words. But dude, goddamn. Dude, like, and like the pre-match promo, just like you were talking about, basically Vince McMahon sexually assaulted Candice Michelle. He said he's gonna heal her tits because she had a cold, and just yeah, it. And she kept on being like, "Go lower." Yeah, it was it was absolutely just out fucking rageous. Like, there's no other way to describe it. But the match itself, like, kind of Jesse talked about, like the like the big spot with Vince on the stage and like HBK being bloody as fuck, just kind of like added a little bit extra to it because it's just like. He was just getting the shit beat out of him for most of the match until he just got like you know the big baby face comeback at the end. And dude, I just like just like I, I think yeah, dude, the, the tag rope thing that's just fucking hilarious. And like him coming in with the belt and whipping Shawn Michaels, and I love how he Vince McMahon's like not only this like Vince McMahon tuning up the band like he's gonna do a super kick and it's the worst super kick attempt ever. It's like it's not even like. It's just fucking horrible. You can like you can tell as soon as he delivers it that Shawn Michaels is gonna catch it. Like the how bad it's like it is. Like a big boot. Yeah, it, it's, it's fucking horrible. And then also another thing that really popped me is how Vince played basically a version of uh, Flash Funk and Rodas Clay's theme song to tell God to dance. I was just like, what in the fuck is going on? Here? He's telling God to dance like. What does this have to do with the match at all? But this shit just, like, it popped me on many different levels. Like, just absurdness. And some of the wrestling actually was good. Like, Shawn Michaels looked great. Like, especially, like, 2006 Shawn Michaels. He was, it was definitely the tail end of his career. But, like, I mean, he did a nice, like, springboard, like, tope flip over the top rope. Like, he, I mean, the, the thing to the spirit squad off the ladder, like, it looked kind of scary at first. But he made it work. Shawn Michaels... I mean, I guess I'm a Shawn Michaels mark just like you. So, I mean, I just, it's great. I mean, I love seeing Shawn Michaels just being absolutely outrageous in this match and doing the crazy shit, doing the suck it's, even though like he's supposed to be God, Christian with God, but he's telling some person to suck it. I just, it's absurd. Three and a half beers for me. I, I, want, I definitely want to find that t shirt, see if they still have any on sale, but to, com to commemorate this absolutely historical outrageous absurd moment in wrestling history i mean i don't really have a witty transition for this because how do you wittily transition out of god <laughs> versus vince mcmahon and Shawn michaels and shane involved so we're just gonna go on to the next match nothing witty just on to the next match uh the promo for diana's angle with jazz was really well put together um, but the match here is actually Deanna Perrazzo versus Tennille Dashwood for the Impact Women's Championship. 
And I feel like Deanna actually looked fantastic. I mean, much better than the last time we covered her on the show. There was a there was never a time that I thought she looked blown up or winded. And we talked about last time we covered her matches that she didn't look like she was in the best of shape. She was definitely on her top top of her game here. And Tennille Dashwood, like, I mean, Emma, whatever you want to call her, like, I mean, she, you know, as Emma, she had some really great matches in NXT. And then I think when she went to the Indies, she had, was kind of just taking more part time bookings, and her matches weren't really that great, but. This she did a really good job here, too. I think that she worked. This is one of the best matches I've seen her work since she was Emma. And it was it was really good. I, I was a big fan of this match. Um, the title, the Taylor Wilde return was really lackluster. And it honestly hurt the match, in my opinion. Um, I was about to give this about three and three quarters, maybe even four beers. But I'm going down to three, maybe three and a quarter at most for this one. Um, I, I really feel like the Taylor Wilde return was not a good position here. Not the best way to, to do it, especially with the piped in noise. It just didn't, it just didn't work for me. Um, Jesse, where are you at on this one? I did. I agree in the sense that it was a really great match. I thought any of the schmozzy stuff, any of the interference, all that stuff was just kind of did disservices. I mean, especially the Taylor Wilde thing. Nobody look, I'm not trying to disparage her, but no one cared. I mean, that wasn't. There was nobody sitting at home like, holy shit, I got to take to Twitter right now. I can't believe I'm seeing this. Taylor right. Wilde makes yeah. her return. What? I mean, that could have been done in a vignette or something. Nobody cared. The song yeah. fucking got awful, too. That yes. was one of the worst. I mean, I know wrestling music has a history of not necessarily being the best, but fuck me if that wasn't the worst. The the match was good. Tennille did great work. I thought she played to her strengths and her character in this match and her role very well. And I got, I couldn't agree more about Deanna, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of hers anyway. And there was a really good documentary on uh, IWTV that came out around the time that she initially got released from NXT about the virtuosa and her journey through pro wrestling and all this other stuff. And that kind of got me to care a little bit more about her. But man, when she first debuted in Impact, I gotta say, wasn't into it. I really thought that she looked lackluster. It didn't really – it looked like she was trying to do what Tennille has done well, which is capitalize on her split second that she was in WWE and not necessarily really do all the work on the back end at, to, at the same rate. But here, right. that looked completely different. I thought that the match was really well put together. It was really well done. The moves – I mean, it was just good work, good business. I gave it three and a half beers. Three and a half beers. Wex, what do you think about this one? <laughs> I, should, I should interject real quick before we get to Wex. I really thought the placement, the placement served the match here really, really well, too. That definitely helped the score for me just a little bit. See, I agree, but I also feel like also putting the finish of the match with the return right before everyone's itching to see Swan and Omega was a big miss. But, yeah, uh, yeah Wex, where are you at on it? I don't know if it was Kyle with a C or Caleb with a K, but anyways, the match was, I mean, I, I agree with you both. You were, you were Kyle with a C. Okay. That, that, that could be me or someone else, but solid work here from both girls. I mean, both women, however you want to say that. Uh, I don't know if that's a wrong or an appropriate thing, but Deanna Perrazzo looked great. Like Jesse said, and you said a lot better than she looked in the past. Tennille yeah. Dashwood, you know, she also looked great here. Had a nice little mean streak. They had some nice moves here. Got, you know, does a sick Moodle lock. Yeah. Like uh, that top rope drop kick. That was also really sick. And I like how Emma escaped from the Fuji, Fujiwara, probably saying all fucking wrong. And then, uh, yeah, 
I didn't like the interference. Also, just like Jesse said, Susie and Kimberly, like Susie looked weird. She's wearing like a suit, but still wearing the shooter shoes that are like neon yellow. So it just looks all off as fuck. It just doesn't flow. It just, it just doesn't look right. And that whole part was just unnecessary with the match. It did hurt a little bit. And like you said, the, the return was so underwhelming. Like they basically, like they basically, she had a, pro- they had a promo that she was kind of going to be returning without saying her name, but, it was so obvious that it was her. So like when she came, it was just like, oh yeah, she's coming back. We like we already you already kind of knew, so it really wasn't that much of a surprise. And it just, yeah, lackluster kind of hurt it. I went two point seven five for this match. All right, so we're all in the same general vicinity. But guys, that's gonna take us to the main event of Backlash. Here we're gonna hop back over. We got Grisham interviewing Cena, and he's already starting to get booed, man. It's kind of crazy to think they pushed the dude for another damn decade with people starting to boo him in 06. I mean, and him really not ever getting the heel run is almost a travesty, honestly. I feel like in that time from 2006 to, I mean, it was really 2017, 2018 when he stopped working full time. Like, you could have afforded to have a pretty solid two-year heel run and still return him to mega babyface Cena, and it probably would have been even better. But I digress. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the rest of the thing here, man. Um, after the promo, we have this little striker thing in the ring, and he's cutting a carny level promo on the local crowd just to get instant heat, and it's bad. And Eugene getting dude. Okay, this this is again like okay. So so far, we have Eugene on here, character that would one hundred percent not fly in twenty twenty one. Uh, McMahon's versus God, definitely not flying in 2021. Um, Kane versus Big Show here. I guess that's actually okay. That would fly. Um, that's that's not too crazy. The Sheldon Benjamin versus RVD match maybe would fly. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that would be perfect. Mickey James, Trish Stratus, not going to fly, especially with the whole angles they're doing with the HLA. Umaga and Ric Flair, not going to fly these days. Um, so yeah, there's just a the majority of the things. I think Umaga and Ric Flair would work minus Armando Estrada. Ooh, I don't know if you could even really do Umaga. Yeah, you could, because he's Samo- he actually he is Samoan. So yeah, it works. you definitely could. One hundred percent. I feel man, man. yeah, Umaga, maybe you could. Because Umaga would still be doing a version of that character at this point. He would probably be just talking, and now he would still probably wear the paint and. Either way, this whole thing with Stryker and Eugene was trash, though. It was not good at all. Oh, yeah. Garbage. Um, it was Hot just garbage. God, I, I mean, the fact that they did get the the, ch- the crowd to chant "You love poop" was kind of funny, but well, also sad. They they got that character over to at least to the extent that they meant to get that character over. The fact that it was right before the main, I'll never understand. But you know. It is I, mean, I actually totally get it. It's the biggest cooldown segment you can possibly have from a Shawn Michaels McMahon match to a main event. You have to have a big cooldown spot. And you know, you know, Triple H had a political hand in that. Like, oh, we're not going to be able to follow Shawn and Vince. Look what they did at Mania. We're going to have to have something big to let the crowd down easy before the main event. I, I can literally hear him like explaining why that has to happen. And it makes perfect sense, actually. Like, I get it, but it was still really bad. I, I mean, who would have known that Matt Stryker, 15 years later, would have been on the announce desk with D'Lo Brown at the other show that we're covering right here, Impact Rebellion 2021. Sidebar, is D'Lo a Hall of Famer? 
He should be. I don't think they'll do it. They, they might do it as part of the nation. See, that's what I think. I think the well, nation you know, domination. He was one of the only ever two Euro continental champions. It's a pretty, that's pretty, true. pretty bold accomplishment there. Him and none other than the Olympic champ, the Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. The real wow. question is, do you think they put D'Lo and Draza in the same year? Oh, too soon? Wex, what do you think about this Eugene Stryker promo thing? Uh, hot garbage, trash. Uh, didn't want to see it. I was upset it was on my television screen. And like you said, if this happened in, two, in 2021, like WWE would be fucking canceled 9,000. It would be... <laughs> Like, there's no other way to describe that. Like, no. you can't have a, I can't even say retarded. <laughs> you can't have a mentally challenged yeah, that, there character. You yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say, say what you should say and not what you actually wrote down, Wex. Because I know you're literally looking at a, at like, a word. It's like, can you not say the word? That, or that rhymes with redacted. That's on, that's on, that's on. Hey, <laughs> and that, that's, a, that's good shit, pal. But uh, yeah, it, it was a hot garbage. I did not want to see it. Uh, yeah, put, like get, like you said, like the crowd chanting, "You love like," is that, does that speak to the Kentucky crowd or is that just you are, you, you are allowed to say the wrestling crowd? You can say poop. That's okay. Okay, but does that, does that speak retarded. to the Kentucky crowd or that, does poop. that speak to wrestling crowd that they're chanting, "I love poop"? I, uh, I'll, I'll go for Kentucky. It's, it's Kentucky. Let's go the, the, uh, the headlining match here is going to be Edge versus Triple H and versus John Cena for the WWE Championship. Uh, I mean, you know what? I'm going to let Jesse take this one. I want Jesse to take us home on this main event. All right, Jesse, take us. I thought Edge did a really good job of kind of playing like chicken shit heel here because, you know, obviously this whole thing was designed to put Cena over and make him like continue that Cena train and be, hey, you're a main event level player. The crowd needs to see it, whether they buy you one way or the other. We are definitely going with this. Edge did a really great job of accentuating that by like sliding out of the ring at the very beginning of the match, trying to get the tussle up between Triple H and John Cena. There were a lot of innovative spots in this match, too, for a main event triple threat, which I got to say, I'm typically just not a fan of. I don't really like the weird multi-person main event things for the title or whatever. Like it's not like backlash. Oh one, which we covered last week. I, you know, it's a tag team match with all the gold on the line. I don't mind that. It's different to me, but the triple threat thing is you gotta be a pretty special triple threat match to really anchor a pay-per-view with the title on the line. But I thought they did a good job. I mean, it, it was definitely WWE main event style. You could tell that Cena was like still kind of working out which five moves of doom were going to stick. He did a lot of stuff that you don't see from him. There's like a splash from the top at one point. Which I'm like, oh yeah, the fuck do you that was... see that? You know, the um, there's a lot of blood. Triple H was doing his best Ric Flair impersonation throughout this match. I mean, he is just gushing and gushing and gushing and gushing as much as he could gush. Oh yeah, it wasn't bad yeah. though. I like I really thought that the work was good. I thought the spots were good. Uh, Lita's little itty bitty bits of involvement were well placed. I thought the match was structured really well. It did what it was supposed to do. It was. Probably the second best match on the card, I guess. I mean, I would put Shelton and RVD above this, but it was it was a great main event, I thought. And the one thing that got me a little bit, I hate it when they pull the ref bump situation in a match that's clearly up until this point. I mean, it's a triple threat, so it's no DQ. So why the fuck bump the ref? Like, why has that got to happen? You don't need that for Triple H to go grab Sledgy McSledgerton. It's like, he's already, you guys have already done the kit and caboodle when it comes to no DQ type stuff. But 
Either way, I gave it four and a quarter beers. Um, Cena obviously, you know, wins the day. Wins the day with a jackknife, which was interesting. You know, you also don't really see Cena pulling out them power bombs all that often. So I thought that it was definitely a pretty weird, uh, weird match, but they did a pretty good job, man. And this is also where they're they're pushing Edge to a point where he can be a top guy too, which obviously I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm honestly like. I was I was relatively high on this one. I I loved the open too, the the idea of Edge just kind of chilling on the outside and popping in to break out the count and like having just Cena and Triple H fight because there was already a feud there. I thought that was pretty smart and kind of well done. Also, like Edge had some absolutely bitching hair in two thousand six. I mean, like just great luscious locks. I mean, gotta give a shout out to that eighties ass hair for sure. Um, but yeah, the match was good, man. It was overbooked for sure. A little too much Gaga, like you said, with the ref bumps and everything. It was a nice roll up finish though. I mean, the thing is too, is like people were booing Cena, but when, when you got the pop from the crowd for the finish, it was a big pop and it was definitely a Cena pop and it was, it was, it was worth it. He kind of, you know, it's, it's what John Cena does. Like everyone boos him and boos him and boos him. But then like you see his actual matches and you're like, yeah. Maybe he doesn't actually suck. Maybe we just think he does. And then, like, you like you like it by the end of it. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is. Uh, it's kind of the tale of John Cena, the underappreciated in the moment, but also somehow managed to be one of the longest stars ever on top. Literally longer than Hogan, longer than Austin. Like, it's kind of crazy how long of a run that dude had. Um, it's wild, dude. Wex, what do you think about this main event? I, I definitely enjoy this main event, and I like, I definitely agree with you 100% about John Cena. Back then, like, and all like, like from 2006 up until like, honestly, until he really did that like U.S. title open challenge shit, I was over John Cena. And then when he finally stepped away from the main event and just started doing those fucking just good ass matches, yeah, I was like, dude, John Cena's pretty pretty fucking he's sick. He can wrestle. He can do some shitty. And I was always yeah. like, no, you can't wrestle because you only ever saw him do the five moves and this and that. But he clearly proved he knows he can do other shit. He just was, you know, he just stuck to what he knew, stuck to what he could do on TV. He just stuck to the yeah. formula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But dude, the Cena hate at right now is like building up at this point. Like at the beginning of the match, him yeah. and triple H and they exchange. It's like, boom. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Like they, like for every single punch. And like just like Jesse said, Triple H is bloody as fuck in this. Like, just absolutely leaking. Like at one point, his face is completely leaking, completely red. Like no no flesh to be seen. Just completely the proverbial crimson mask, as Jr. likes to say all the time on commentary. And I love to call back. Love me some Jim Ross, but dude, Triple H absolutely like. Even though he didn't win the match, he was the star of this match. He. I think he's the one who held this thing together. Like, oh, I, for I, sure. 100%. I yeah. stuff with Edge, but Triple H carried this match. Like, even though he was supposed to be a heel, the crowd fucking loved him. But one thing, like, kind of want to go back to what Jesse was talking about with, like, the ref getting, like, knocked out for the um, sledgehammer. It pissed me the fuck off. Like, when he was, when uh, Cena had Edge in the STFU and he was going for the rope break, and the ref was going to call for the rope break, then Triple H broke it up, and I'm like, why would you call a fucking rope break in a triple threat match that's a no disqualification? Yeah. I hate that. I'm just like... It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I agree. Exactly. And then, like, this was still pre-Benoit, so we got some pretty rough chair shots to the head, and I was just like, ooh. Ooh. 
I can feel I can just that I can just feel that CT and that shit's real in wrestling. Like I it's one hundred percent real. Like Oh, for sure, yeah. Too many goddamn shots at the head, you will like really start Yeah. But Triple H being in the STF, you all bloody was awesome until he went for the rope break again. And I was just like Like you gotta go and they almost went Austin. They did like the pat they did the the and Triple H stopped it, but I still don't like it this era, like the classic attitude era. Hebner would always go one, two, and then on like three, that's when they would like, you know, do it. But they yeah. only they like later they would only do like one. I don't know who changed that, but I love the classic one, two, three, because the third one they would always do something real epic, like Stone Cold would go yeah. you know, <laughs> put a finger on it and like and just really just made a little extra, you know, made it just that much a little bit better. But there was that sick ass tower of power spot that was like a Samoan drop was, in Alabama yeah. slam. And I was like, yeah. that's I've never seen that one before. It's always just like a, a power bomb type thing. And I popped for Triple H hitting the spine buster on Lita. Very nice. Yeah. And one thing just pissed me off. It would have been a little bit better. I would have rated it higher. I only gave it four beers because it ended with a fucking jackknife roll up after all this epic shit again. I understand, like, oh, it's a roll-up. And JR was, like, so, tried to sell it, like, hey, not the pedigree, not the SGFU, but a roll-up. And I'm just, like, <sighs> like, a roll-up? Like, I understand, like. I didn't hate this, it. I didn't hate not, it. Not in this, like, uh, not in this situation, not this type of match, a roll-up. But then Triple H saved it a little bit, and he's all bloody. Sledgehammers everybody, gives the suck. It even hits the ref. So, four beers. For the suck it, I'll go four and a half beers just ju- just for the crotch chop because this was setting the seeds for DX because Shawn Michaels did the same. Like, we know See, what's going Yeah, I gave I gave I mean I yeah I, I was I was four I was four and a half just because I mean with Triple H man you had a bucket and a mop for that wet ass giggy that he had going on there. It, it, was, dude, just, it was beautiful. Uh, uh, it was yeah it was it was a good giggy it was a good giggy. We'll go Jesse. We'll, what was your we, overall rating again? We, four we can be happy and a quarter. Agree. Four and a quarter. I'm four and three quarter. You're four and a half. We're all in the same ballpark. Now let's talk about the match that everyone else has been talking about. The main event of the evening. It's Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega. Title versus title. Somehow the TNA title is also on the line here. I get that, you know, Rich Swan like won that title, but I actually thought, you know, because I have been watching some of the the TN or the the TNA shows, some of the Impact shows. That, and I feel like, wasn't it like when he beat Moose, it was like to prove that the Impact title was like the world title and they that was going to be done him. with? Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, so why like is he still carrying They did the World Heavyweight two, Championship and the WWE Championship. Yeah, that's, two I don't know. That's just, it, honestly, they like. They literally did it just for the storyline to make I li- it okay. crazy. I like the TNA World Heavyweight Championship as a belt. I like it better than the. I don't like the Impact one. To me, honestly, it looks like an upgraded version of the twenty four seven title. Like it's just, it's not a very pretty belt. So like, please just make a you like a TNA Impact or whatever you got to do. Like make a different title to blend those two. Because like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't like. I don't like the the title vibe with the TNA. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like like TNA and Impact. It's is it the same thing? Is it not the same thing? Like, is it, does that bother either one of you guys, or is it just me? <laughs> nah, it's all right because it made sense with the storyline because of the whole moose thing, and it's it, it makes sense. 
I just thought it cheapened it a little bit. I think that the the imagery and the big fight feel and the entire thing would have been a little bit more to the point and a little bit easier to sell had it just been one belt, one belt, really emphasize that Impact World Championship. But, I mean, obviously their big thing, they want that image of Kenny draped in gold, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, it makes sense, especially having, like, the old nostalgia of TNA. And we already have established on this show that TNA is canon, uh, if you will. Yeah. But let's jump into the match, man. It's, I mean... Okay, I'm just going to I my only note like we watched this one together and like I rewatched it again and I made notes for the stuff, you know, cuz there were times where we were just bullshitting talking or whatever, so I, I had to go back and watch a few of these matches and like really catch up on my notes and I w- watched this one again and what I noticed is when a match is so good that I don't take notes because I'm so wrapped up in everything that's happening it's a it's a banger and i like that's literally my only it's like banger five and a half beers the only reason why it didn't get six beers is because of the title thing like again the title this thing is an issue for me and the no crowd that's it like this match in front of a crowd is match of the year period in front of a crowd if this was in an arena match of the year no doubt about it. Five and a half, though. It won't get the full six because I feel like they could have gone to measures to make sure there was at least an AEW level or even NXT level live crowd there. And they didn't do that. And what makes me sad, too, is that, you know, right before the match, you have this plug for Slammiversary and the whole Nashville thing. And it seems like there's going to be a crowd for that show. So it's like, dude, of all the of all the shows to bring a crowd, even a small, even 50 people in, like... Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega. How do you how do you choose to do this in the empty arena? Still, it's just yeah, five and a half beers though. The match was incredible. It's immaculate. Go back and watch it. Uh, we're again like we haven't done this on the show in a, in a few weeks, but like if you have to watch any match from any show, please God, if you have to watch a match at all this week from any company, watch Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega. It's insanely good. Uh, it's probably better than some of the matches Kenny's had in AEW. I think this is better than the match he had with Moxley. I think, I mean, yeah, I love this match. Really good. Five and a half years. If it had a crowd, if this match would be on AEW, six beers probably, for sure, for me. Uh, Jesse, where are you at on it? I don't see how you don't get this match six. I mean, for me, it's that full six pack. I was chug-a-lugging, dude. This was a fucking great contest between two guys. You know, Kenny, it, it's funny because obviously this elevated Rich Swan. And you oh, could argue that sure. Kenny Omega didn't need the elevation, right? That, that's, that's a fair argument in its assessment. However, even now that he's on his heel turn streak and yada, 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 and he's been a little – he's obviously in the spotlight and he's the whole forbidden door thing and that, this whole him being the catalyst for this, right? It makes sense, and he's been doing what everybody was clamoring for for like the first full year of AEW almost, which was to see Kenny as Kenny, to see Best Bout Machine, to see the Kenny Omega of old from New Japan in America, right? As a star, as a top guy, as the champion. But since we didn't get that for so long, a match like this, in my opinion, does elevate him. This motherfucker made this Impact pay-per-view important to a lot of people that otherwise would not have cared. That is drawing power, that is buying power, and that is star power. And that's something that he really needs to consistently build and prove. And to me, this is a great example of it. I love the entourage feel. It just sells the whole thing. I mean, it, I, I thought this match was fucking greatly done. Obviously, I agree on the crowd thing, but again, I just try not to weigh that too heavily against the match because it's like, 
God damn, man, this is still such a fucking fantastic match, and it's not their fault that there's no crowd there, you know? Um, as for Slammiversary, I got a feeling, I got a hunch, a huncheroo, that Scott Demore is going to end up pitching some kind of I got a secret contender coming type thing for Slammiversary, and that Omega will end up headlining against somebody that they have Samoa Joe. Let's fucking hope. That's what I'm hoping for. Can you, dude, Joe Mega at Slam? Oh, God. So intense. Please, God, give it to me. Because the argument there, you could totally see Joe taking it. 100%. And Joe going to AEW and having a good run. And this is a whole, it's it's an entire, like, no one knows what's going to happen kind of scenario. Now, that's a dream book scenario for me. God knows if Joe even wants to wrestle. Who knows? I have no fucking clue. However, the possibility is. Hey, I think Punk it's showing up. Dude. Hey, Punk showing up. That'd be crazy. If Punk shows up, Punk's going over. Dude, Punk, Joe, could, Omega, I could, I could Triple Threat. See, I could literally see Omega showing up in the ring at Slammiversary and being like, all right, Demore, who's the guy? Because you know I'm the best in the world. And that's the guy. Like, they'll license the song. I'm sure Punk has the money. He'll just license it himself uh, the way Hogan did in WCW with Jimi Hendrix. Like, he'll he'll just license it himself. If we even sniff that that's a possibility and that shit occurs in Nashville, Tennessee, I we don't care going. where it is. Or we if will sneak people. into or the building. We are fucking there. And live stream. <laughs> that that kind of plays into my rating on this match. Yep, yep. Well, let's hear it, goddammit. And, dude... Just like both of you said, absolutely goddamn fantastic banger of a match. And I, again, agree with somebody. And for the, I don't know how many goddamn many time, Daniel, I agree. Five and a half beers. And the crowd thing wasn't exactly the reason, but the reason that this took place in Nashville, Tennessee, and I couldn't fucking be there. It's like... Right, got, know, right down the goddamn road. It burns me too, man. It burns and me too. I couldn't. Yeah. It's a fact. Especially like, in this setting too. Like, could you imagine if we had just been like invited to just like, just just chill, hang out, watch the match? Especially because I, I know quiet, least, watch the match. Exactly, because I know at least two people who were there like doing backstage yeah. shit who got to watch this live, and I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, if they could just allow people to come in there, and I was like. Talking to one of the people like, hey, can we get can you get you in? He's like, if you can hop the fence, I'm sure you could walk in. But I'm like, dude, we couldn't just walk. Obviously, someone would see us back there and be like, who the fuck are these guys? Why are these random people here? But dude, the match itself, dude, so much sick shit. Like Kenny was hitting all the classics. He hit Kreutz Wrath, which is he sets up like the one wing angel, then pops it up into the German suplex. I haven't seen that Such in a while. A sick yeah. Movie. I love that movie. Does it's that's a classic move. He's been he used to hit back in the junior heavyweight days in New Japan. It's one of his old ones. But, you know, I think he hit it a few, t- maybe one time against Okada. But, and I popped super hard for Mauro Ram- Ranallo calling the J-Driller when it was really the Tiger yeah. Driver. called J-Driller because I called that earlier in the match when Josh Alexander did it to win the Cruiserweight Championship. Or the yeah. X Division Championship Cruiserweight. I mean, but- I think I think it was cool too. I mean, I'm glad that you touched on Morrow. I thought he did a really good job. I, I still, but I don't feel like okay. I know this sounds really weird, but like we had a long time with Morrow, and like I feel like he's almost played out now. I know it sounds weird. Like I was almost excited to hear him, but like hearing him do his thing, it's almost like he's outdated himself already somehow. Like, it's almost like 
Maybe I'm wrong, but my, my I don't know. I think hearing him like kind of gave it that extra like main event big fight feel to it. I felt the same way. I I disagree. Okay, but uh, I was just like, yeah, all right. When, when you hear that voice, it just makes it like, and dude, like you said, Rich Swan, like absolutely fucking killed it. That Phoenix splash of the outside that the cameraman like just fell down and missed, and we had to see it on replay. Yeah, that was really good. I don't know what happened like with the production at that point. And the whole Brian Hebner eating the cutter when Kenny tossed him in there, like, of course, like, I don't know, they, they just had that had a little fuck shit. But I do like the extra touch, even though, you know, on storyline AEW, Tony Khan is kind of like not happy with Kenny Omega because all the shit that he's doing. Sure, but over yeah. here, he's kind of like Proud supporting of him, him yeah. and he's the heel. But Aubrey Edwards did not let Kenny Omega cheat. Yeah. She grabbed the steel chair and I was like, okay, they're at least establishing like, you know, we're not asshole. Like we're not bad guys. Even you though gotta, our champion, you got to establish the validity in the in the referee. Yeah, exactly. We'll, Even though yeah. our champion might be a piece of shit, we are still a reputable company. Yes, I agree. And we're not going to do. That's, we're, and that's we're not going to succumb to yeah. Kenny's bullshit. We're at least going to try to make this as clean as we can. I and agree. I, I mean, it was a clean. I mean, it was a total clean one wing angel one two three in the middle of the ring. I mean, dude. I mean, and I like the finish. It was sick. The mist for the mist. Uh, Phoenix splash. The V trip. I mean. Let's all, dude. V trigger, all V trigger. There always are way too many of those. I feel like actually that that if, if there are way too many, then that's exactly that's Kenny. That's a Kenny Omega match. Like that's his. He he fills in V triggers all throughout the match, and I think it works. It just he's just fucking you, fu- fucking your head up, just busting you with V triggers, and that one winged angel is just gonna put you out because you've been hit with so many goddamn V triggers. There's no way you can survive. That's the thing. You no no one kicks. Only person that's ever kicked out of the one winged angel is Kota Ibushi. So that's like that's one true. Of the most I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there was two one winged angels on um, Moxley when he won the title. No, Moxley did not kick out of the one winged angel. He, I'm pretty sure that was a no, spot. No, he did not kick out. No, he did not kick out of it. He grabbed the barbed oh, wire and okay. exploded to make the count be stopped. He did not kick out of it. Okay. So. The one winged angel is a serious finisher, so <laughs> it makes a, sense that he just he busts all those V triggers just to just fuck your neck and your head up. So when you get hit with that one winged angel, you're out. You're done. You yeah. can't kick out. So absolutely fantastic. Five and a half beers. If if, if all three of us could have been there, it would have been a twenty-four pack of a beer thirty pack of thirty beers. <laughs> it would have been we did talk about beer thirty. Ah, uh, guys, well, I mean you know, we're here at the end of the show. I feel like it's a unanimous decision here. Like, if we have to talk about a show that won here in this kayfabe comparison, it's got to be Impact Rebellion. I mean, like, dude. 100%. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like, I mean, it, yeah. I, it's overwhelming. And honestly, there were some decent matches on Backlash. Uh, but, you know, you know, obviously the RVD Shelton Benjamin match, the main event, Edge, Cena, Triple H being the highlights. Uh, but, man, I mean, I feel like we had better – like, I mean, honestly, I feel like Sammy Callahan versus Trey McGill alone was better than those matches on all, on, on that whole show, including RVD and Shelton Benjamin. So, you know, especially with Omega and Swan headlining that, it's all in the up and up for Impact. And you know what? You know, you guys all know that we have a huge soft spot for the Nashville TNA days, the Impact days, the the local team, if you will. So it's going to be kind of a, a Impact summer. I'm feeling like, especially until Peacock gets their shit together. We're going to be a little bit more shit up. They are. They are. And I'm glad about that. The plan is apparently for them to have the full depth of what we knew as the WWE network by August. So 
That being said, it's going to be a deep, if you will, a deep impact summer. Uh, and that's going to roll on to next week. We're going to have um, we're going to have WWF Judgment Day versus WWE Extreme Rules 2001. It's going to be probably one of the last all WWE nostalgia shows we do this summer, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's that's about right. So we're, we're going to go ahead and knock it out here before we get to blood and guts and backlash. Jesse, what do you think about Judgment Day 2001? When you first put it on the on the docket, I was thinking about 02 and Nashville, but I don't really yeah. remember much about Judgment Day 01. What, what do you got for me on that one? I mean, 01, you know, this is the it's kind of the theme of what we've been doing here. We get to go back and visit the glory days, WWF 2001, the living, breathing yeah. No Mercy N64 video yes. game card of a year that goes on. And it'll just get more and more and more interesting. And Judgment Day is a continuation of that. This WWE Extreme Rules, however, is 2011, actually. Right. And uh, right. we touched on this before, but I got to say, man, I just it's a period of time that we don't talk about a lot. Uh, two weeks from now, we got a lockdown 2011. So we got a TNA yeah. from 2011 coming the week after yeah. that. That area of time is, you know... Uh, it's something that deserves to be touched on for several reasons, but I'm very much looking forward to diving into some uncharted waters. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm glad you brought that up, that TNA show, because it is an impact summer. It's going to be TNA lockdown versus uh, the AEW blood and guts TV special. I know, you know, Wex is our obvious AEW resident guy here with his AEW weekly reviews and such. Uh, Wex, what do you, how are you feeling about doing this blood and guts uh, TV special? I'm very excited for blood and guts. It's good. I mean, this is going to be true war games, not the NXT war games. We're going to get a roof on this motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to be it. the real deal. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited for this. Like, and especially we kind of, you know, we got the whole pinnacle. They have like the old school feel to them going up against uh, the inner circle. And I don't know if you've seen some of the little promos that uh, Santana and Ortiz been putting out online. Yeah, they're pretty good. Very nice. So I'm, I encourage I'm, I'm, people. They, to they've been getting me a little those, bit, a yeah. little bit hyped for this and I'm excited. And actually, I've been kind of I'm actually going to shy away from doing weekly AW reviews on my channel. I'm going to be cutting some. Just random, weird, different wrestling shit. And then some real raunchy shit is going to go on to the um, Patreon, if you want to pay a little money. The stuff that might not be appropriate to be listed on YouTube if it's, you know, public. It has to be a privately listed <laughs> special thing. Uh, and also, if we get some Patreon, some more people that subscribe, we're going to... I, me personally... I'm going to select the five random people and send them just some wrestling shit. I've already been That's building awesome. up some stuff. Yeah. And the number one thing that I got right now, if it wants to entice some people, I got a elite Brie Bella, to a WWE toy. You know, those motherfuckers go for at least 20 bucks in the box. For free. For free. You can sign up. I mean, it's pretty it's you. It's well. It's it's not free. It's not free. Wix. It's five dollars. Okay. But you. But if you sign up, you might get this toy and some other random cool ass bullshit. Cause I I collect a lot of wrestling shit, and I yeah. I want to share some fun stuff with my wrestling friends. That sounds a little too homoerotic, Wex. So I'm gonna need you to well, back up a little bit. Not there. that there's anything wrong with that. Oh my goodness, Jesse. Where can people find you, man? 
Man, you can find me at Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter and just Jesse Baker on Facebook. A couple of things to keep the eyes peeled for on yes. May the 8th in Tullahoma, Tennessee at the legendary Gypsy Joe Arena. There is a Crux Wrestling doubleheader <laughs> open for business. We've got Brett Ison. We've got Luther X. We've got... A bunch of other people. We've got Shug D. We've got Simon Gotch. We've got Kerry Awful. We've got Nolan Edward. There's so much the talent. whole KLBK crew going to be out there. It's it's going to be really great. Wesley and I will both be there in uh, some working capacities for sure. And then on May 22nd, you can find Wesley and I at our home behind the commentary booth table at Revive Pro Wrestling in luxurious Centerville, Tennessee for Business is Awful, which is going to feature a rematch that we're looking forward to. The newly crowned, as of the last show, Revive Pro World Champion, Mr. Kerry Awful himself, will be defending that newly won title against none other than Uncle Biff. And it's going to be really good. Hey, yeah, you know what? I'm, hey, man, all I got to say is after that last match that they had, it was a brutal, brutal, brutal finish that... uh. Left somebody with a concussion and goddamn brain buster on the concrete, man. It was, I just, I mean, it was, it was very rough. But I, I just, I just don't want to see anyone get hurt. But I mean, hopefully, there's good business conducted. Yeah, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm a little tired of this, guys. I'm tired of being the guy left out here. So I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you now that I'm, I'm gonna show up at that May 22nd show, and uh, whether you like it or not. I'm going to sit down at the commentary table and I, I feel like you need Mr. Know-it-all on that panel. I feel like you guys need a little help. You know, I've been watching those IWTV shows and, you know, you guys are great and everything, but it's not, you know, you don't have Mr. Know-it-all there. So I feel like, uh, you know, just, just being a part of the show, it's, I can only help the show. Right. And that's all I want to do. I just want to give back to the wrestling fans. I want to give back to our, our listeners. I want to get back to the, the people that go to luxurious Centerville, Tennessee, to watch great professional wrestling, I feel like they deserve. Great I mean, we'll, we'll see if we can find an extra microphone. You know, yeah, we'll see okay. what we can do. All right, all right. Well, you know what? In the meantime, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak. You can always find the show at Kfabe.com. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on our social medias. We have got new shit coming out all the time on TikTok as well. I'm always up there doing videos. I'm going to start doing match of the week on TikTok as well for you guys to check out. It's going to be a good time. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on. Revive Pro, Crux Pro Wrestling. The Patreon's going. It's five bucks a month, dude. Become a Kfabe OG, a cog, if you will. You're going to be five bucks a month. It's not like it's not like OnlyFans. There's no pay-per-view here. It's not like you subscribe and you really only get, like, censored shit. Like, we're giving you everything for five bucks a month. We're showing you butthole. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No exactly. butthole. But like, I mean, you, you make giving you butthole for me. So just, just well, be, I mean, Wex is. If you want. Wex is a butthole. So, uh, yeah. It's requested, but Wex breaking the loss and saying it to plug my shit. Wex breaking the loss and Wex breaking the on Twitter. You know, you know how it goes, but this Patreon, we're going to get this shit popping off. And if you subscribe to the Patreon, I promise you that you will be happy. You'll be satisfied in many other ways than one, okay? Yeah, and just like a fart, you should never trust Wex because somehow he just ekes out at the end. Uh, we'll go ahead and let that be the end of this because fuck that guy. Um, we'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace. Peace.